Sirius 197, XM202, The Virus. The Ron and Fez Show starts right now. I'll show you the life of the mind!
Is it a follow Friday today? Is that where we're going with this? That's where we're at. All right, good. Follow Friday. show on a big follow Friday. Hanging out with you today till 3 o'clock on the East, and then if you live in another time zone, it's up for you to figure out. I don't understand why you're still behind times. I say set your clock ahead. Do it when the ball drops. Line up with everybody else. I guess this is going to stay our opening, huh, Hicks? It's a great song. Gets us pumped up. Come on. I don't know what happens in those producers' meetings. It's like, let me write this down and I'll never talk to you again. Number one. Number one. Thanks, Dave. Number one. 
number one. There he is. Number one. That's the eagle. It's his day to fly, the eagle. Number one. The eagle flies on Friday and it starts very early now. He might be high right now, I think. Of course, he should be. <laughs> it's always good to know somewhere in the world, Eastside Dave is high. All right, we'll get this one started off with your Ichibans, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ should be a fun one today. Dave Marsh is stopping by, of course, uh, the more than world famous uh, rock critic, writer, and broadcaster. Uh, he's got three different shows here on uh, Sirius. I like to call it Sirius XM because I keep the XM alive. But tonight, you'll be able to hear his rebroadcast of the Bruce Springsteen special on E Street Radio at 11 p.m. That's in the Beast. I don't know what time it plays where you live. You're going to have to check that out. I'd set my, my clock ahead, but that's me. And then also, since it's Christmas, Ronnie Spector. Ronnie Spector on the uh, show today. And this will be uh, a fun one. I'll tell you why later, but... Ronnie Spector's got some new Christmas, a little Christmas EP, uh, at RonnieSpector.com. And, of course, Ronnie Spector is rock and roll. And Elvis knew it. So did James Brown. So did the Beatles and the Stones. My brother's back at home with the Beatles and the Stones. All right, let's get your Ichiban started. Here's Don. Don, what do you got for me today on an Ichiban? Yeah, Ichiban for you, buddies. Uh, Felix Hernandez, the pitcher for the Seattle, Seattle Mariners, one of the worst teams in baseball, wins the Cy Young Award. And a big, fuck you, Cliff Lee, you get nothing. <laughs> Pepper Hicks rules. Uh, he does rule. And that, right. that's also today's Ichiban. Pepper Hicks is always. Number one. Number one. So, uh, Thanks, Dave. Another slap across the forehead to Texas as they got coming for him. And I despise Texas today because of what Chicago's defense did to me last night. Rolling up 18 big points. They shut down the Dolphins pretty well. How I despise you, Miami. And they were like a one-and-a-half point favor. I said, no fucking way. For some reason, Thigpen really couldn't hold together. <laughs> Thigpen. I liked him better when he used to fucking pitch for the White Sox. I don't know why he ever stopped. Um, looking for Ichibans. Anything at all you want to talk about. It's a Friday, so don't be one of those lazy listeners sitting around on your ass. Say to yourself, God damn it, I've heard other people. Now it's time for me to get my... It's finally time for me to feel like I'm... Number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Uh, Brian, P.A., you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddy. Yeah. I got your Ichiban today. Uh, let me hit this. What Last night, the Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part 1 came out at midnight, and much to my surprise, had a nearly nude scene with Emma Watson in it. Um, what do you mean by nearly nude? Well, there was a scene where... Just pants and a shirt? On. It was like there was a fog or a mist over her chest, and then below like the, the belly button region, but she's kind of standing there doing like a little... 
you know, profile, maybe a little bit of the, the top of the side boob kind of look. But, uh, you know, all the Emma Watson fans out there should be uh, fairly content with this. Well, let's face something right now. This nation has Pottermania. Pottermania is running wild. Yeah, there are people just uh, talking about it just everywhere outside last night. It's no, bizarre. I, I know. I'm planning on go. I haven't seen any of them, but I want to see this one. Um, you don't think it'll be lost, maybe? No. Now, who wow. are the Weasleys? I want to get into that. I want to find out who all the Weasleys are. They're the redheaded family. All right, so I call I call that kid Dave. I call it Dave, and I think he's really good. Uh, so I'm not going to probably see this, but I'm sure somebody will send me the Emma Watson in the mist because that will show up as a screensaver on every fucking guy living in his parents' basement right now. Um, all right, peace. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Uh, here is uh, Brad, New Mexico. Hey, I wanted to uh, let Fez know that my wife is coming up on 90 Days Being Sober, and she was just very proud to hear his uh, story and you know, take control of his problem. Uh, Fez, the unexpected alcoholic, how many days, Fez, now? Uh, this will be, I guess, five days. Uh, You've you got to start and get into it a little bit. you got to have to say this. I'm five days gratefully clean and sober. Uh... And introduce yourself as a recovering alcoholic addict. And then we can all go, hi, Fez. And then it'll be like, great, and you'll be into it. I make uh, that guy's wife a uh, friend of Fez W. Fez is the first person, I think, ever to show up uh, for the AA thing without having a problem. And in, somehow has bottomed out. Um, well, he didn't even have a bottom. Um, and he hasn't been a bottom yet. And that's his big dream. Oh. Um, all right. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. But you are five days what, Fez? Gratefully sober. Gratefully clean and sober. Try to okay. get you know as much fucking time for yourself as you can. You want to make your story just as boring as humanly possible so the other people have to sit through it. Um, here <laughs> is Joe. Joe, you're on a Fez. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah. Uh, I got an Ichiban for you, Ron. Oh, let me get this. Ichiban. And remind English people, uh, speaking people. Number one. That's what it means there. So what do you got for me, Joe? Uh, it has now been confirmed from Slash Film, Dr. Hugo Strange will be the new Batman villain. Woo, Hugo Batman. Strange. Yeah. This is going to kick ass, man. Hugo Strange, I saw Jermaine LeSear's article on this, uh, passing the rumors along. I didn't think you were allowed to read articles about Batman. Well, I was checking out Slash Film just to see what Jermaine was up to. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, Dr. Hugo Strange, boring. Are you going to go see this? I am not going to go see it. You can't tell me Hugo Strange is a better villain than the Riddler, Christopher Nolan. He's a... He's a... He's a mad scientist who ends up dressing like Batman. This is going to be the dullest Dark Knight ever. I think there's a second note in that. I think Johnny One Note just became Johnny Two Notes. And that could because the fag word. So that's really two notes. Um, and I think this one, we sh the other day we just had the one note, which was really annoying. 
We probably should just link the one note. This makes me want to put on a mask and look at naked women out in Long Island. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Let's talk to the bartender. Hey, bartender. You're on the run of face show. Hey, Bubba Buddies. Hey, Hey, I got an Ichiban for you. Fez's own Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Mike Williams gets arrested for a DUI last night. What do you think about that, Fezzy? Fezzy, where's that one grab you on the Mike Williams? That is really sad because all of a sudden success, the, the great season that the Buccaneers are having, has now gone to rookie Mike Williams' head. You sit around chanting, we're number two? Is that how uh, this success is? Well, can I defend Mr. Mike Williams? Okay. Uh, it was a point zero six. A point zero six. Now, how do you leave a bar and not be point zero six? This is fucking nothing. This is Tic Tacs. I've woken up with like a point two before. <laughs> you you probably don't have never gotten lower in your life. <laughs> Luckily, I was arrested four. in the morning, so I could get uh, <laughs> the fucking breathalyzer. But these people are fucking insane sometimes. No, it's not like he ran over anybody. He left the bar. I think you, if you fucking hit something, fuck, throw the, throw the book at the guy. But if the guy gets home, what did he do wrong? Congratulations, man. I don't get it. I never understand that. Um, now I'm sure he'll be suspended for the San Francisco game this weekend. Why? Because there'll be some sort of behavior clause, morals clause, where the coach feels the need to sit him. I just wish that blunt kid would have been there to punch the fucking cop when it happened. Sideways, sneak him when nobody's looking. The dirty bucks. Um, here is, uh, let's go over to uh, Ian, Toledo boy. You're on the Run Fest show. Yeah, I got an Ichiban for you. The numbers are in, and Call of Duty Black Ops breaks all video game records with $650 million sold in five days. Call of Duty, biggest of all time now. Biggest of all time, which makes Laszlo look like shit in my eyes. Get a hold of Call of Duty people and ask them if they'd like me to do a little voiceover work. Okay, we will do. Uh, he's already gone. I don't know why he went away so fast, but I was wondering, who does Toledo follow? Does Toledo follow Cleveland or Cincinnati? I'm always confused about those in-between places. I think they just go with the winner, the winning fight. Whoever happens to win. Or what I like to call Scranton style. When those people like, well, my football team is the Steelers, but my baseball team is the Philly. Fuck you. You get nothing. Cincinnati, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Let's go over here right now to um, the professor. The professor. A a very rare two-part personal Ichiban run. Uh, A rare two-part. Part one, I was awarded tenure at my university yesterday. Oh, I never know what that means, but I hear you guys talking about it all the time. And I got to say this to you: you better publish or perish. That's my only thing that I got to say. You're right about that. Yeah. Here's, here's what that does mean, Ron. Part yeah. two of my personal Ichiban. This afternoon, I'll be fucking a co-ed in the library. And they can't do anything about it. Can't do a thing. What do you teach there, Professor? Neuroscience. 
neuroscience. Uh, any big breakthroughs we should know about? Uh, yeah, we've uh, we figured out that thinking takes place in the brain. All right, so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I, I have been wrong. I always said it came out of the kneecap. But I think outside the box. And I can't think inside the box because I get claustrophobic and I can't fucking breathe. So instead of being able to think of, of different shit, I'm just like, open this fucking box right now. I will kick the fucking sides out. Open the fucking box. So, and because of that, I've kind of invented thinking outside the box. I love it, like, if you're ever in a meeting with the suits and they bring out that, we want you guys to be on the edge and outside the box, and you're like, on the edge of what? You mean, like, open the window and get out there? Uh, no, 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 on the edge of entertainment. And you're like, wait, there's an edge to radio? Holy shit. All this time I thought it was infinite. What happens if you go over the edge of radio? What's over there? And obviously it's Greaseman. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Um, Alex, you're on the Run and Fez show. What's up, Ron and Fez? What do you say? Uh, long-time fan. Actually, just finally got on satellite radio. Haven't heard you guys since 92.3. Uh-huh. Um, Big-ass car holder, 919. Um, right. I, I feel out of the loop. What, what is this Ichiban thing? I need to be in the fold. All right, let you me know, catch you. Like a newbie. I'm feeling that. Now, I know Ichiban's my favorite Chinese restaurant right around the corner. Right. They got a monstrous Ichiban sign out there, but get me in the fold. All right, let me catch you up on what's been going on on the Ron and Fez show. Me, yeah, give me a little something from since... 92.3 to now, in yeah. a nutshell. Fez Watley's been on fucking fire. There's no stopping him every day. New bits, new characters, pushing the fucking envelope, hitting the ball from downtown, outside the box, but on the edge. All I got to say is this. Strap in, motherfucker. It's all coming down. And Ichiban is an Asian word that means fag. Ichiban. That isn't what it means. It means something completely different. You're catching him up with the wrong information. I think that you went. I think you went in a, a great direction, making it about Ichiban instead of Fag. I think that moved it over into a whole new world. But yes, you are right. Ichiban, my friends, means number one. Number one. Number one. Eight six six run zero Fez. Eight six six run zero Fez. Donnie in Boston, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey boys, I got an Ichiban for you. Oh, I'd love to hear it. There are 27 miners trapped in a mine in New Zealand after an explosion. Um, I've got to get to New Zealand immediately and get a book deal. My idea is to bring them out through hollow torpedoes. Now, this is going to be exciting if we can get these people out of there. Because this is... Uh, think of the trapped Chilean miners, how great that did for TV, but these guys are white, so we can fucking blow this thing up in a big, big way. Great accents, too. Tipping point. Right now, we're on miners' tipping point. Uh, I want this guy, I want the first guy out of there to run a fucking marathon. I want one of them to have a wife and a girlfriend. Uh, I want them to do all kinds of fun stuff, like stand in their underwear while they're on TV. This is going to beat the shit out of Jersey Shore. It's going to finally crush Jersey Shore. 
Next situation's gonna be uh, one up now. Hold on, I just thought of a great fucking idea. Why didn't I come up with this before? Jersey Shore, trapped in a mine. Fuck, that would be a great show. And all we do is lower beer down to them. And pickles. Fried pickles. I don't know if there are any mines in Jersey. Well, uh, if you go by that Chevy Chase movie, there's a hell of a lot of them there somehow. Dan Aykroyd's uh, nose was shaped like a dick, but you never bring that up anymore, do you? Here's something else I, I worry about you, Hicks. What? Worry about me? Yeah, because you're supposed to be running the interns, and that's your fucking thing. Yeah. Why do I sit around and Rustin doesn't know a goddamn thing about P-Funk? And he sat here flat-footed like he came from fucking Waco, Texas. I don't get it. I don't think he has the funk in his heart. Which you're is, right about Which that. makes me sad, too. Adam, you're on the run of first show. Hey, buddy, I got the Milestone Ichiban. Milestone? Ichiban. What do you got? All right, check this out. Anthony Cumia, short-staffed and without his pal Greg Opie Hughes, goes till 10.38 Eastern Central Time. Employee of the day, Dan. Boy, that went over quick, didn't it? Just stopped. What would you do? Turn the mic off in that room? Yeah. Yeah, it was exciting. Uh, there's no stopping in. He's a runaway train. Is that was enough? He's giving back to the listeners tonight because he and brother Joe and sister Donnie are all going out, and it's another Kumia family Christmas. At bar nine, and they're going to turn the mother out. They're opening with Freebird. That's going to kick ass. Opening with it? Opening with oh, it. Oh, shit. And then, in the middle of it, segue into Stairway, and then Bohemian Rhapsody. And there will... And that, of course, is three hours. That's the first three hours. Cool. Not a dry eye anywhere on Ninth fucking Avenue. People are hanging out the windows. They're standing outside... It's going to be insane. I can't wait for this jam session. Also tonight, first night ever, Ant's going to be doing a dramatic reading of uh, Christmas Carol, where he plays all the characters. Like the encore? Or maybe like a set break? No, it's just, yeah, you like break it up a little bit, but it gets into what I call spoken word. Okay. Yeah. I'm starting something new now. I call it spoken word radio, where I'm on the radio, but I'm speaking. Isn't that radio? Why do you got to run me down? Run you down? It seems like you're running me down. Never, never. Then why do I feel so run down right now? I apologize for anything that might have been misconstrued. Hmm. An apology, yours. It comes across a little fucking wise ass. What? A little fucking wise ass. Uh, no, sincere. Um. Jeez. Uh, Andrew, you're in Fez. Hey, good morning, buddies. I got an Ichiban for you. All right, I need an Ichiban. The Los Angeles County Courts ruled that the uh, those people that dress up like the superheroes and ask for, you know, take pictures in front of, like, man's Chinese theater, Yeah. they ruled that they can stay. They now, don't have to leave or whatever. They're not uh, in threat of getting arrested. Here's what I saw. I came through Times Square this morning, and on one block, it was 48th Street. I saw, and I'm not making this up. Four fucking Spongebobs <laughs> and a half block. I'm not making this up. Uh, two Cookie Monsters, uh, two Elmos, and two Mickey Mouses. And what was less than 50 yards? 
And if wow. I was uh, if I was a kid, I'd be going out of my mind. But I don't understand where the hell Disney is on this because normally they don't let anybody fuck around with their branding. And there's Mickey Mouse's out there, and it's Mexican guys, pedophiles. <sighs> Drives me nuts, and just natty, just natty these fucking costumes. Okay, uh, man, you're on the Manifest show. Yeah, hey, Ronnie B. I was. Uh seen a movie last night I hadn't seen. It's called High Life, and it's, got, it's a couple years ago with that Timothy Oliphant. And uh, those two lead guys, let me tell you, it's got to be Eastside Dave and Pepper Hicks. I don't even know this film. Do you know it, uh, Hicks? Uh, no, actually, I think I heard of it, but, uh, I, but I didn't you know, pay much attention to it. I'm looking at the trailer now. Oh, yeah. These guys are shooting up uh, morphine, and they're trying to rob a, a, gonna be robbing a bank, and they're trying to plan this heist, and they're all just fucked up all the time. Oh, just like great. me and Dave. Yeah, yeah. Sounds great. Yeah, uh, Pepper's the dark one, of course, and then Dave's, uh, Dave's the brains of the outfit. Ask these guys if they've ever really familiar with a film called fucking Train Spotting, because it sounds like uh, they're doing a remake. Uh, the only guy I look like is the, the synth coke guy. <laughs> All right, now I got go, to see this. Have it sent to me. <laughs> okay. Tell the studios just to send things to me. I'm at the point now where I get annoyed if another person comes in the screening room. I'll just go, oh, sucks. Good. I'll put my pants on. Fuck this. You might you deserve to get comfortable. It's a goddamn screening room. It's not a fucking theater. Uh, I don't know whether that's sarcastic or not. It's not! There's something... The, the sarcasm just fucking reeks off you. Really? Yeah. It just reeks. Never. Uh, we're gonna turn this mother out. Uh, Abel, Black Label, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, out each one. Ichiban, sure. Ichiban. All right, so a couple in a couple in Minneapolis uh, just put up a website called Birth or Not, asking people to vote on whether or not she should have an abortion. And to make it even better, the website 4chan uh, is rigging the votes to have her give birth. Uh, what is this other what website that wants her to give birth? Uh, 4chan. I think you were talking about it earlier. Uh, oh, yeah, this is like, uh, guys, this is going around fucking with everybody? Yeah. Okay. All right, let's get a look at this. Uh, it's called Birth or Not? Birthornot.com. Yeah. yeah, there's my scrambling team. Scrambling over, making things happen. Uh, Birth or Not is the website. We're slowly in a don't search, search, hurry up, and don't search way of getting into it. Um, apparently this wife's deal was she's had three miscarriages already, and so now she's not sure if she should have, like, the, she's so fucked up from the last, from these three miscarriages that the family doesn't, is not sure whether or not she should actually try to go through with another birth. Well, the best way to do this is to go to, on a website and ask cruel fucking listeners, uh, to get behind it. So, for their point of view, they're acting like they're totally serious. It's got to be some money fucking grubbing thing. If somebody offers a hundred thousand dollars and we won't do this, it seems pretty fucking crazy. And it looks like their site is down already. So is ours. Um, let's go over here to. Uh, let's go to Chris. Chris, you're on Fez. How's it going, gentlemen? Good. 
Happy Thanksgiving, early. Hey, uh, Fez, I got a quick question for you. All right, I'll give you a quick answer. I mean this with utmost respect, so don't think that I'm just trying to get online to say this. If you're not allowed to call them fags, gays, homos, queers, anything like that, then what would be the term that you would approve for for them to be called? Gay is the right term, but it, it's all in how you use it. If you say that something bad is gay, then that's a slur. Because you're just telling gay people they're, that they're all wrong, that their whole lives are a mistake. What about we just call them a slang word that nobody uses anymore, like the fuzz? So what? if... Oh, please. It, seriously, you're killing me, sir. You're killing me. Fuzz, they also call that cigarettes. Yes, I know the cigarette excuse. You know, he brought up the uh, fact that uh, it's Thanksgiving. I did not even realize Thanksgiving was next week. And Hicks is like, we're going to do the Thanksgiving broadcast this year. And I'm like, what? Next week? It came up real fast. Yeah, it just jumped on us. So, yeah, of course, like everybody else in radio, we like to have that day that we play Arlo Guthrie, Alice's Restaurant. They think they're both faggots, and it won't take either of them. Uh, wow, listen to that laugh he gets. It's a very, very funny piece that he does, and it makes everybody feel like uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, really looking forward to it this year. We got a lot to thankful for. Uh, Dave, you're going to be here early. What the hell are we thankful for? Well, I want to start to think about it. Um... Travis, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, boys, I got an Ichiban for a personal Ichiban for you. A personal? Well, Flint has gone down the toilet. Two 15- and 16-year-old boys actually broke into a house and killed an elderly woman, which was my wife's grandmother, stole her car, and killed another person, and they are now caught and put in jail. Wow, what a horrible story, dude. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up, man. We just found out today. How's your wife doing? She's all right. Not the, I mean, she's kind of estranged from her family a little bit, but she knew her grandmother, and they were actually supposed to meet up on her way down to Florida for Thanksgiving uh, next week. Wow. That's insane. So this yeah. took place in Flint, Michigan? Yeah, so it took place in Flint. It's on the Flint News uh, thing. There's a video about it and everything. Was Michael Moore caught up in this at all? I have no idea. All right. <laughs> I've Two young kids, 14 and 16, or 15 and 16-year-old kids did it. Jesus Christ, these fucking kids nowadays. This makes me vote, get the abortion. Put my vote in right away after hearing this story. I'm voting for the abortion. All right, I'll get in there. Because I'm thinking green. I'm thinking green about this whole thing. And there's just too many kids out there. And they're too loud in restaurants. And, you know, a lot of times their parents will be trying to go through and they'll bump the back of you with that. You know, pick your fucking kid up when you're coming into a restaurant. Park your little fucking baby buggy and then pick that kid up and carry him in. They don't care. And I understand. You want to take your fucking kid to Chick-fil-A or any of these places. That's where a kid should go. You're in a nice restaurant. Your kid ain't fucking enjoying it. You're the one who had kids. Now you got to go to all those tacky places. Take them to some place with pizza and a ball pit. I don't know if there's anywhere like that in the world. Maybe if there's like little animals singing to them. I think you would like that better. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ.
Zero Fez. Uh, Barney, you're on the Run Fez show. Yeah, Ron and Fez, how are you? Um, Fezzy, I got a problem with, you know, people just trying to tell you how and what uh, is acceptable as far as whether it's gay, fag. It all goes back to the, the late, great George Carlin. It's all about the interpretation and how you say what you want. The bottom line is it doesn't matter what anybody wants to call anybody else. We're all human beings here, whether you like it or not. And if not, then you got a dot on your head and you're sitting in these little mid-eastern mid countries. Well, it's maybe that word doesn't offend you, but it hurts like a lot of kids that are struggling with being gay in high school. Kids that are wanting to take their own lives because they have to hear that word in everyday language day after day. Why don't we do like a public service announcement for it? You want to do that? We'll do one. All right, you start it off. There's a lot of kids that are struggling with being gay in high school. Yeah. Kids that feel like they don't fit in, they don't belong, like their lives aren't worth living. That's right. And if you call someone a faggot, then you're gay. That's right. You are the one who takes a dick in the ass or swallows cum. Oh. Who are you calling fag? Fag? I, I don't know if that's the don't way to go with that. Don't fucking character, dude. Now we got to recut it. I like to be Johnny One Takes. That's what I want this fucking show to be known as. Johnny One Takes. You got to stay in the fucking pocket, all right? It's wet ass hour. We keep moving ahead. I thought it sounded fucking good if you would have just closed the door. You open the door. Uh-huh. I, I, fill the, I fill it up. You close the door. Don't let that fucking goodness get out. Beauty, we had it. I think you were opening more doors. Then close them, motherfucker. Um, here's Lonnie. Lonnie, you're on the Ron Fest show. Hey, Ronnie. Uh, would you like to go smoke some bags today? And, uh, uh, just please don't. Good, please. I'm, I'm, it's fucking so I'm ridiculous. begging you not to do this to me today. I'm begging you not to do this to me today. we got a fun show lined up today. It's going to be very, very exciting. We just did a big PSA. Everybody loved we're talking. We're going to be doing Alice's restaurant next week. They think they're both faggots, and it won't take either of them. So we're all excited about stuff. We're I'm less all, excited about that song we're now. We're all happy about it. We're all having the best time ever. I love Alice's restaurant. Oh, sure, it's a tradition. Um. Here's Gary. Gary Armanifez. Uh yes. Good evening. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, these people, these kids, you say that uh, are going to kill themselves and commit suicide because they hear that word all the time. Or the same kids are going to kill themselves because they got a B on a test, or they're lousy in gym, or their dog got hit by a car. So just let them go and ahead and die then. Time. So that's what we should do. Just let them die instead of trying to stop the bullying of that word. We had a chance to fucking stop it. We made a great PSA, and uh, you didn't shut the door. You got to shut the door, Fuzzy. That's one of the main things in fucking radio. You keep going. If you're not happy, sure, we can fix it in post. We got the genius editor over there. What up? Chris Stanley. He was going to fucking add some music, a couple of drops, an explosion or two. Hell yeah. A laser. When we talk about the gay kids, it'll be just like... <laughs> It'll just sound like someone's pulling a dick out of an ass. 
So don't worry. These things sound great. I've been through this kind of stuff with him before. I'm like, well, that was terrible. By the time he's done with it, it's award winning. We're going to uh, teach about fags today. <laughs> see. It's not right, Chris Stanley. It's Saying. definitely fucking wrong. It's definitely wrong. Uh, coming up a little later on in the show, uh, we'll be talking about Mr. Bruce Springsteen. Um, you can re-hear that performance. Well, not a performance, but a question and answer that he did with Dave Marsh. Uh, and that's over there on radio, uh, on E Street Radio, tonight at 11 o'clock, Eastern Standard Time. That's uh, live from the E Street Nation, Dave Marsh. And since it's Christmas, the always lovely, the legendary Hall of Famer, Ronnie Spector coming in, who um, is just the sweetest person in the whole world. You're going to hear an interview that you're going to get a big kick out of with her. Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Keith and PA, you're on my Fez. Hey, buddies. Hey, Ronnie, real quick question. Is it me, or um, did Fezzy's voice get really sing-songy recently? Um Anyway, he's going back okay. to work in the Fez character, aren't you? That's what I'm doing. Oh, oh okay, okay. Um, I got an Ichiban there, Ronnie. Ichiban. Ichiban. Yeah, apparently a bunch of uh, airports across the United States have decided that they're going to go and privatize their security so that uh, they can dispel all this outrage over people getting their crotch luggage searched. Well, how, how, is pri- how is private security going to fucking save us with that? Won't they have to do the same stuff? I read this stuff uh, about Israel and how much more effective they are, faster and cheaper, and it's because they're doing detective work. They're actually going after people who look like they would be terrorists. Instead of what we do, grandmothers and little babies get treated the exact same way as everybody else. Uh, their stuff runs faster. You're in and out of their airports. Uh, I think that we can all agree Tel Aviv is probably a little scarier place than the fucking Akron airport. And yet the Akron airport acts like they're on the edge if you're there. There's no reason that you should walk through the Fort Myers airport and have your goddamn grandmother be stuck with her hands up in the air and someone feeling her saggy tits and telling her, acting like she's a terrorist. She ain't. Tweak her nipples. They do detective work. Well, I don't... And Israel, you don't hear a lot about things getting past them. We're here, even though we're checking every single person. Someone will get something by in their underwear or something, you know. What are you talking about? When? Well, there's always... They always do those tests where could we get something on the plane. Right, but what has happened that's actually wrong? That's the fucking thing that you have to look at. What's the safety record like? And it's pretty fucking strong. So my point is we're putting a lot more money into this and a lot more time and aggravation than the threat is. You know? It's like we have people die in fucking in car accidents. But you don't bubble wrap people before you put them into a car. Because you figure you're getting into a car, you're taking somewhat of a risk. There is somewhat of a risk to everything in life. But now we're treating it like we want 100% safety, and we're acting like there's no difference between an 8-year-old girl getting on a plane and a middle-aged guy who looks like a fucking terrorist. Do a little detective work. Stop acting like everybody is the same. 
Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Tim, you're on running Fez. Uh, you guys are rocking hard, man. That yeah, bubble man. wrap, oh, that was crazy. Yeah, it was. Hey, I was reading a, a book, and I got a funny quote. It's going to Fez. Here's that funny quote, man. Okay. If a man down with another man, you shall beat out his quick veins, and then you shall burn his faggy body until there's nothing left but them queer ashes, and then you shall let the buzzards eat out his faggy queer bones. I'll just say this. That Bible is one nutty book. It might be the nuttiest book I've ever even heard of. So he wants to quote the Bible that he supposedly respects so much, but then fill it with all kinds of slurs and well, try what the, to... What, the, what is the anti-gay thing in the Bible that they bring up? Yeah, it's, um, it's in the Old Testament, and it's basically what the guy said. No man shall lay with another man. All right, here's the thing. What about bunk beds? Or what about you push that fucker over a bar stool and light his ass up? Beat the Bible at their own game. Hey, I'm sorry, Lord, you didn't get very specific about it. You never said a guy couldn't fucking mount another guy in a shower. So, let me in them pearly gates. It's a nice loophole. For gays, at least. You know what it sounds like when you're going into the into heaven to it when you get past St. Peter? We're out of the woods, we're out of the dark. Open. Open. But they don't bring that up to you, do they? All right, uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Ron in Kansas, you're on the Ron Fez Show. Hey, Ron, I got a question for you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, do you think that Fezzy would try harder at work if he was an airline screener? That is an interesting question. Uh, maybe we ought to do a bit where Fez and I are airline screeners, and at the end of our day, uh, end of our shift, I'm going like this. Dude, you only checked on like five or six people today. I mean, you used to check half the people. What happened? You know how to check people. You know how to screen them. In my opinion, when you're on, you're a better screener than me. I used to screen the shit out of people. I used to roll. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Um, have we ever thought about just arming the stewardesses? Where the stewardesses have machine guns? That'd be badass. Well, the big problem is it's already hard enough for them to push that fucking cart through the aisle. You really can't come up with a better way of moving beverages around than that big, thick cart that keeps people from taking a piss when they want to? They should have some sort of, like, monorail-type system, like a trolley almost. Monorail, that fit. Or what's that place downtown that sells the cameras and stuff? I think it's, like, H&H. Oh, &H. And then just have the Cokes oh, come along crazy. <laughs> on screeners <laughs> over your head, and you can grab one going by. But then all the students have to be Jews, too, then? What's wrong with that? Why you got to be so anti-Semitic? I'm pro-Semitics. Are you pro-Semitic? I think so. That's the right word, right? Or is it just Semitic? I, I like pro-Semitic because it seems like you're overly Semitic. Where most people are just Semitic, <laughs> but when you're pro-Semitic, you're like this. Hey, you know who's great? Jews. I love them. Still go with money. Fez, how many screeners did we have today, and how many people did you screen? What are you going to do tomorrow? Are you going to screen it all? Do you still want to screen? All right, then get in there and screen. You know how to do it. 
Um, here's Chris. Chris, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, the reason we can't do what Israel does is that if you were just focusing on the people that might be packing something, you would be going after primarily Middle Eastern-looking people, and the Council of American Islamic Relations would have a fucking heenie. So instead of hurting the feelings of a few people, instead they have to inconvenience absolutely fucking everybody. And then Kara comes out and tells Muslims not to go through the X-ray machines anyway, and they're allowed to touch like they're you know, their heads and their shoulders. You know, what the fuck? Because I don't know what I'm saying. It's just that we're, our rights are being used to beat us over the head with it. Mm. But, uh, you know, just just screen the people that fucking look like it. I don't know if you see the picture of, like, the 90-year-old nun standing up out of the wheelchair being wanted by a, a young Arab woman. You know, what the fuck is that? I know, it is insane here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to redo the whole airline industry. I'm coming up with an idea right now I think is going to make a, a little more room in the aisles. What is it? It's uh, armless stewardesses that you take people that have no arms. They're the stewardesses. They are not fucking, you know, taking up too much room. They're keeping the drinks in their mouths, and they come right. by, and you just pull one of those little whiskeys out. Was that Rorschach that just called? Because he sure sounded like it. Would that be considered like a prejudice if you did that kind of detective work and you just picked up people who looked like they were going to do something crazy? See, I don't think so because I would, if I, if I was doing detective work and I saw someone like me who's not of Middle Eastern descent, I would probably screen me. I'm traveling alone. I'm a nervous wreck. I'm sweating. You need to be screened. I look like I look like I'm going on my yeah. last flight ever. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You need to be screened because you give off a weird vibe. But once they screened you, they're like, okay, this guy's okay. But yeah, you would need to be screened because of the way you act at the airport. And it also looks like you might yell, fuck you bitches, grab two beers, pop open the fucking door, go sliding down, and off you go. You look like that guy, that rapper, who's doing that. That's Steven Slater from JetBlue. And now, you hear he's rapping, Fez? Have you heard this? No, I haven't seen this yet. It's, well, here's, here's the rap that he's doing. They think they're both faggots and it won't take either of them. Well, that's pretty good. Well, 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 look who's finally on it today. The big Chicago D is finally fucking getting in here. Yeah, you know Put I... something up, dude. Watley's running back and forth. It might be time to just go down and fucking say to Rob, this thing didn't work. They're not clicking as a team. Nobody's moving. All right, this is the Steven Slater, and this is his big song. Yep. There he is. My name is Steven Slater, and I'm no longer blue. Now don't be a hater, cause you never flew. 500,000 miles in a little tin can. Maintaining four smiles for the unpleasant man. A steamer trunk squeezed into the overhead compartment where there room for that crap. I'd make it my apartment, now I'm pimping line two. And the killer app it is. My legal fees are paid by the dot com biz. If you got an iPhone or an iPod touch, 
one two is gonna help you out oh so much come to milehightechsclub.com then you're gonna know line two is the ball climb into the cockpit and throw all the switches now you're using line two i'm steven slater bitches All right, real quick, who has a hard dick right now? Anybody? Anybody uh, sporting wood on that one? I'm Steven Slater, bitches. I just wish there was some fucking DA out there that could have you shot in the... say, this guy needs to be shot in the back of the head. Uh, exhibit one, he fucked up that flight. Exhibit two, this shitty song. I've never liked rap before until I heard that. Well, then you're going to love this song. They think they're both faggots, and it won't take either of them. Oh, man, what a laugh he got with that. I gotta start and uh, work that in a little bit. I gotta make that happen for me. Uh, Chris, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, I just, I, I'm afraid for uh, uh, Fez there. I think he's going through uh, menopause, possibly. Well, he puts the men in menopause, so I'll give him that. Yeah, I mean, maybe they should try estrogen. He just, I haven't heard from him in three weeks. He hasn't said a word, it doesn't seem like. Well, he is. He's got plenty of stuff that he loves to talk about. Batman. Riddler. Leave the gays alone. Leave the gays alone. Batman. So he's doing stuff. He's making stuff happen. Boy, that Hugo Strange is going to be good, though. Although I can't worst. think about anything. I got Pottermania. I am going fucking crazy. Is Vader in this one? I think so. I'm getting a new fucking uh, shirt. It just says, see a Vader, bitches. I'm going to try to fucking put that out there. I don't know. Funny shirts are so ironic and fun. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Ronnie Spector. And I want to talk to people like fucking Rustin who know nothing about the their nation's history. They know nothing about rock and roll. What? Obviously, you don't know P-Funk. Uh, Ronnie Spector was there as part of the Wall of Sound. And the Ronettes were just this amazing girl group, this amazing badass girl group. And Ronnie Spector, after having a bunch of big hits, got married, dropped out of sight, but made and stayed away for like 20 years. But she made this incredible impact on rock and roll music that unfortunately, and this kills me, it never sinks in with Ronnie. The Stones loved Ronnie Spector. Keith in particular, read his book. Um, but so many, all the girls that followed her were doing some kind of uh, Ronnie Spector thing. So many of the guys that were doing it, if you look at at uh, the Ramones, loved Ronnie Spector, kind of wore their hair like her. I mean, not only did she change like the way people sang, but started to give it that rock and roll attitude where it became street. You look at the way Ronnie Spector is with the sunglasses, then look at Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground. You look at Ronnie Spector, look at the way Mick Jagger dances. So she's this amazing, amazing 
influence on rock, and um, it never sinks into her. So I'm getting ready to do this uh, interview with her, and because she comes by every Christmas, and she's just beyond the sweetest person alive. I mean, she's just everything about her is just fun and excitement and, and rock and roll itself. So yesterday, uh, I did the interview with Annie Lennox, and she was I was walking her to the door, and Annie and I just had this great time together. And um, one of the guys from Booking uh, says to me, "Hey, um, I'm bringing you know Ronnie by later for her interview." And I say to Annie Lennox, "I go, Ronnie Spector is going to be, and I'm doing an interview with her." And she's like, "Oh my God, would you please tell her that I love her?" And she starts to act like she's, you know, in front of the Queen, and and I'm like, "Damn, I." I Ronnie would love this. So I said, Fez, talk to Steve Leeds, see if we can't get Annie to do a a jump in later. You know, just come walking in while we're in the middle of the Ronnie Spector interview. Because I would love for Ronnie Spector just to take in how many people uh, have been influenced her and are crazy about her. And Ronnie is great. Every year she does the Christmas show in New York City. It's not Christmas in New York City without Ronnie Spector. And she gets out, she sings Christmas carols. She's got a brand new stuff, too, that she's doing, brand new songs. Uh, and you can check that all out at RonnieSpector.com, and it's available on iTunes and everywhere else. It's a new EP. Um, but it's just, it's amazing to me that somebody could have this dramatic effect on so many other people's lives, and it never sinks into her. She, you know, she just doesn't see how many people are absolutely crazy about her. So uh, it worked out really cool where Annie stopped by and did a run in a surprise run-in on Ronnie Spector. And uh, we have the interview right now. But I have to tell you this. If you're into the history of rock and roll, the Brill Building, that whole New York sound, that Wallace sound that was so fantastic... Uh, of course, Ronnie Spector was right in the middle of it. Make sure you check out that and check out her Christmas music. And if you get the opportunity to see her in New York, this is rock and roll royalty. Rock and roll royalty. The Beatles were crazy about her. The Ramones were crazy about her. Springsteen and those guys were crazy about her. Everybody loved Ronnie Spector. And she's just the sweetest person in the world. So uh, we'll do that interview.
The absolute queen of rock and roll is here with us today, Ronnie Spector. How are you doing, darling? I'm doing fine, Ron. How are you? It is so great to see you again. <laughs> you too. I haven't seen you since last year. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> and now you, like every year at Christmas, you you come out and you say, it's my time again. And it is. I feel it so much every year that if I'm not doing my Christmas songs and my Christmas shows, uh -huh. it's like nothing. My life is dead. I, have, I love Christmas. What is it about you and Christmas? It started when I was maybe six or seven years old, uh -huh. and my mother was a waitress, and uh, she got off work, and I begged her to take me to Macy's to sit on Santa's lap. Right. And her feet were killing her. But she didn't mind. She took me to see Santa. And what was amazing about it, it was this long line of kids and their parents. And I couldn't even see his head, but the closer I got, I saw the the red hat, then I saw the ball, and then I saw the white coming around his hat, and I was, my heart was, I never forget, my heart was beating so fast, I had to sit on Santa's lap, and I finally got a chance to sit on his lap, and I think at that age, that turned me towards Christmas, every that year. Yeah. And then when I started making the Christmas records, Sleigh Ride and Frosty, and I saw Mommy, that was my dream. Yeah. And where are you doing your Christmas shows this year? Have um, you picked out yet? We, oh, yeah. We, yeah. We, we've had a band rehearsal and everything. Um, mm. Of course, I'm doing Sleigh Ride and Frosty, and I saw Mommy. Yeah. But I'm also doing a new, I have a new EP out, mm -hmm. and it's all Christmas songs. <laughs> because I said, I'm getting tired of singing just these three. Right. And my audience likes me to do more Christmas stuff. So I listen to my audience. You know, my fans and my audience. Right. And they said, you got to have more Christmas stuff out. So this past um, summer, and it was like 95 degrees <laughs> in Philadelphia um, with Bobby Eli. He did this shy light. All, all the groups from 85 on up right. in, in Philadelphia. So I said, I want to go to his studio. I don't want him to come to Connecticut or New York. Right. We went to his studio. I knocked a, a Christmas Wish was my favorite one. Yeah. And I did that one. Then I did a song, Light One Candle, which sort of reminded me of my kids because they're half Jewish. So when every Hanukkah, my kids would go to their grandparents and light the candles. Ah. So when I heard light one candle, I said, I want that song. You know, because they send you like 50 songs. But I don't do that part. My manager, he does all, he takes out, she's not going to like that. She's not going to want to sing that. Right. So he narrows it down for me. And then he brings it home. And then I pick. So your kids were raised where they had Christmas mm -hmm. and they would have Hanukkah. Right. And that was uh, fine with you. There's somebody oh, that yeah. there's somebody that would love to meet you. And I wonder, this is Annie Lennox, oh, Annie one of the Lennox, greatest singers you. of all time. Oh, like, Annie, oh, Annie, it's just oh, like I know you. Oh, I love your short hair and everything. Annie Lennox, I gotta take a picture. Yeah, of course oh, you can take God. a picture. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, so cool. I, I'm like, oh, oh my yeah, Annie Lennox. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get my hair right. Oh, your hair is and, fabulous. Mm -hmm. Your hair is fabulous. Oh. What a lovely, lovely thing. We had that as a surprise oh, for you, Ronnie, because... Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy. It's the oh, best surprise. Yeah. Now I can enjoy the whole Christmas. Thank you, it's Annie. It. I love you. You're the best. It's just unbelievable. I it. Thank I you so much, it. Annie. That meant the word. Yeah. Oh, I love oh, you. Oh, baby, baby, baby. And, uh... <laughs> I love you to death. I it's just... Annie Lennox is, is here. I'm like in shock. 
Yeah. Well, Ronnie, she's. I told her, I did an interview with her, and I said, I'm going to be having Ronnie Spector. And immediately she was like, oh, my God. And, Andy, yeah. I love you. Girl. You are too much. I've seen you so much my whole life. TV, records, everything, too. Well, you and me both. Us. I love you. I love you. All right. Now I do believe it's Christmas. Now I, be, now I now do, believe. Ron. Yeah, now I, now I have this oh, Christmas Andy. miracle. Ooh. That's so that wonderful. So great. <laughs> Let me get back to this interview before you make me out. I love you, Annie. I love you, too. I love is, about you. It's my Christmas yeah. Oh, thank you. She's got a Christmas EP, too, so she'll ha let you. Yeah, she does one. She does uh, a little Christmas show here in New York every year. And she, to have the both of you guys doing this is amazing to me. for you, too. Yeah. New, uh, oh, Christmas. Like, yes. It's, Christmas. it's the Christmas spirit. It's all come real. Is it real? I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, goosebumps. And, and you gave me goosebumps. But, Ronnie, I am so glad that you could see how people feel about you. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, I want you to sign yours, and I'll sign yours. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Take your time. I got all the time in the world. I was Costello with him last time. I never met him. I never met you. I said, Ronnie, take a picture with me. I said, you're who? <laughs> I don't know you anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. You look so great. And you look the same all the time. Oh, well. That's good, you honey. Don't look too closely, my love. Yeah. That's why you think looks I'm like <laughs> I don't wear I make a video oh. so until I do a... Ronnie Spector and Annie Lennox. This is like a, a is rock this, and roll dream. It's this, a rock oh, and roll dream. Is. Yeah. I love this. I can't believe I'm meeting... Annie Lennox, oh. this is my dream. Oh. Now I can go home. I and can't peace. believe I'm meeting. I know, and you know, I I oh, said this to I said this to you too, Annie. I said I don't think Ronnie Spector ever realizes how beloved she I is. I think that's what's good. I don't. Yeah. No, no, you know, I go back to Connecticut with my little boys. <laughs> but I think that's the point: is people have assumptions that anybody famous has got this, this huge persona mm -hmm. it's kind of yes. not really human. Right. And actually, we are human beings. They right. put us up they, on we a just, pedestal. Yeah, and I think yeah. just realize we're just human just like everybody else. Of course. And we love cool. Christmas and yeah, we love Hanukkah. Being, <laughs> but, when I, but when I think of women singing rock and roll, it always starts with Ronnie Spector. I mean, to oh, me, God. that is yeah. it. Yeah. Annie, you got to wow. sign not, it. This is she so did. timely. Oh. Yeah. The thing is that mu oh, musicians yeah. really do oh, love right. music, you know. Annie, so A N N I E. That's the that's the one. Yeah, that's me. That is and so it, you sweet. You know, that's the thing about the power of music because we don't always meet each other. Right. But that's the music right. That we've listened to over the years. And if we see a person, it's like we know them forever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like we're human beings. Some people are really very egocentric, and they they believe in that kind of projection that they put out there. Right. And, but there are other musicians that just we're just human beings, and we just and we love life, and, and we love our songs. Just, right. You know. So we love rock and roll, Annie. It's like. The music. Yeah. The music. It is the music. And of course, just how many people, and so many male singers that she uh, <laughs> had impact on. I mean, when I see Mick Jagger, it always, I'm always thinking, Keith Richards Ronnie, is my guy. Well, I know that. If I had married Keith, I would have had a great career. <laughs> <laughs> Our kids would have had great hair. I yeah. yeah. But, Both of us had this black, thick hair. But, but I always thought that, that, that Mick started to kind of look and dance like you uh, after meeting you. Was, you know what he took that from? Yeah. I took them to the Apollo Theater. Right. Uh, Keith and Mick Jagger. 
And when they saw <laughs> James Brown, he went nuts. Right. And so he kept that dance. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and he could yeah. dance like that. Yeah. He tried. And I took him to the Apollo. We had just headlined there. So they said, we got to go. And this is before they were stars, guys. Right. This is before. They had no money. They stayed in my house on the floor. Good thing I had carpet. But, you know, I love Keith and Mick, but Keith's my favorite. Oh, sure. He was a rugged. <clears throat> I don't want to talk. He's yeah. rugged. I know. Yeah. I have to start And he's got a book. Just recently. You got Ronnie's know, in the book. I'm in the book all the way through. <laughs> yeah. He wrote, he sent me the book and he said, Ronnie, it's a, uh, how do you put it? It's a, uh, it's a love affair we've had for 40 years. Wow. And it's true. He lives 15 minutes from me. So I go down to his basement. He has it all hooked up for recording and I made a record. And it's called, um... Uh, the one I, what I just said. <laughs> I get so nervous that any standing One of the newer ones that you're doing off your Christmas? No, or? no, no. Yeah. It's the one we wrote. He wrote the first half and I have to write the second half. Oh. Um, what so you doing? You doing it now? Well, you're recording it now? It's a duet you guys did called uh, Love Affair. It's love Affair. It's a love affair. affair. Just yeah. like us. Exactly. Just like me oh, and him. Man. So I'm so happy. Oh, and he's so happy. Oh. So, yeah, he won't go on TV. I said, I'll take your place and talk about you. <laughs> the view wants him joy. Behar, they all talk about the new book. I said, well, I'm in it. Don't I count? You know, for something? So, we'll see what's going to happen. My publicist is so great, so maybe I'll be on all the TV shows. I know I'm doing know. Letterman. You never know. You I know. never know. I know. Yeah. I'm doing Letterman on you the 15th. You keep your options open in life. That's right, right? girl. I have right. to. Right. You we, know where we, I came we have from. To. Spanish Harlem. Sure. I had to keep everything intact, get down to the Brooklyn Fox. We weren't even stars yet at the Brooklyn Fox. Sure. We were Murray DeKay's Dancing Girls. And then we met Phil Spector. He auditioned us. And he said, he knocked the piano over. He said, that's the voice I've been looking for. <laughs> Come on. From Be My Baby on up to the Christmas song. Then I had to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> then I had to go. <laughs> it is Goosebumps. So Isn't it Goosebumps just goosebumps. talking with her? Yes. Look at me. We're all Goosebumpy. Feel me. Now you have, you have? Oh, yes. yes. Where's the one I have of you? We all, I, I must let oh, you get We've all got it. I have. And I you know. have. And now I must let you get I can't, on. I can't. I can't. I can't have you with me. Oh, Thank you so much for stopping by and surprising her. You are the best. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't wait to tell my boys. Oh, uh, that's so sweet. Wait till I tell my girls. <laughs> oh, you have girls? I have two. I have three adopted and two. <laughs> <laughs> so I've Big got family. five. Yeah. Have a wonderful day. Thank, Thank you, you so and much. Whatever you're doing. I, I yes. can't believe I'm seeing you. Uh, <laughs> this is wonderful. And he can get you, let you know what I'm doing, and I can yes. somebody can let me know what you're doing. Yes. Welcome to your show. <laughs> I want to see your show. Well, I'm lighting the Christmas tree tomorrow. Where are you oh, doing that? Yeah, here in New York. Oh, wow, it's Not fantastic. Not Radio City, that Radio one. City. Yeah. Oh, I would love to come. Well, you can if you well, want to. Andy will fix it up. Come this is my publicist. Yeah. Yeah, Andy come, Silva, come and I will come and see we'll you. Sure. Oh, God. Oh, Are you serious, Andy? Of course I'm serious. Oh, I can't. Oh, get it. <laughs> 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 this is, uh... I love you. Are you recording us? <laughs> yes, this is all being recorded, darling. This is all for you. I didn't know you were recording us. Ron, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, I... I you, Fez. We're exchanging addresses now. Yeah. Take all the time that you need. That's right. And you won't know the address. Or our phone number. I, <laughs> All right. Hi, I love you. I love you too. I, okay. Thank you so much, Annie. I, I appreciate it, darling. Yeah.
Oh, this, it is. Okay, thank you. This is I like this is like a rock and roll dream. Oh. Ronnie Spector and Annie Lennox together. That's just amazing. Oh, I, I, I am so out. happy that that you realized that because it was just a, a little while ago and I told her I was going to be with you and uh, she goes <laughs> oh I would love to meet her I said you should stop by she goes oh I would never want to I go never stop Ronnie would love it I would love it would and love I loved it. it it's so great you know I was here last week and um, they were in that little room talking because I wasn't ready to boost right. that boost Cousin Bruce, he hadn't gotten here yet. Right. I come out in the hallway, and there's Elvis Costello. <gasps> Ronnie Spector, get yeah. the camera, guys. So I, I really don't know how much people, Yeah. and I like not knowing, because when I walk out on the stage, and I hear that applause, and that's when I get crazy, and I love it. But there is so much that's happened with rock and roll, and you brought up the thing with the Rolling Stones, and the way <laughs> Keith feels about you, and I always saw Mick Jagger. Seriously, I, I saw No, my sister style. dated. Mick Jagger. Is that right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but all there's so much stuff to all this music together. And you know, when people think about, here's Annie Lennox, she grows up on the other side of the world. Isn't that something? There should be no reason that this moment would happen. And yet it does. I mean, you know? I I'm, I'm still have the goosebumps here. Yeah. I, I just can't get over that Annie Lennox even knows me. Yeah. You know, and that's what happened when I first came back from California. Billy Joel, uh, Bruce Springsteen, all mm -hmm. these people said, Ronnie, do you know how much you've influenced us? And then Bruce Springsteen would say, where do you think I got my, oh, 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 right. I said, what? I was so shocked that people were listening to my voice, you know, and the production, right. you know, but it was my voice and the production that made everything. Well, it was your voice, it was production. Arrangements uh, by Jack Nitsche too. Yeah, uh, people shouldn't forget that. Who as you know he is did a genius, yes. a genius. But all that stuff comes together, and then your look, which is to <laughs> me rock and roll. Yeah, you I look love like rock and, rock and roll. roll the way you, you danced, the way you moved. It's perfect. <laughs> Bro, you're and, making me a blush. <laughs> and that's why I wanted you to have the experience of Annie because when she said, "Oh no," right away when I told her I was going to be interviewing you, she. Um, she starts to like bow down like she's in front of the queen. I, she did that to me. Yeah. I'm saying I don't do that. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think of me like that. And that's what I said. I go, I go. Ronnie does not know this. She does not and know. And don't care. What you, it's just part it's of what just, happens. You know what it is too. It's like I hadn't seen Keith Richards in like 25 years. Right. And when we met in the studio because he came to do my last, uh, you know, last of the rock stars, it was like we saw each other yesterday. You know, right. he said, Ronnie, I was looking for you. I said, well, why didn't you try? Why didn't you find me? He said, we, no one could find you. And they were right, because I was in the mansion and never able to go out. So so was that, that was just a period of your life that the world kind of just passed you by, huh? That, that passed me by. Uh, no, I thought no one knew of me. Um, uh -huh. And, of course, when I was married to Phil Spector, he never mentioned me. He never played records in the house. Everything was opera and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I didn't think of rock and roll. Right. But that was all in the back of my mind. I've got to get on that stage. Because I, I love going into the recording studio because the recording studio makes you come out to the public. Yeah. You know, it's like Frank Sinatra, all those people in the, you know, from the 40s. They had to be on a record first. And then people came out, the Bobby Soxers and those sure. days. Because my, my in-laws tell me about that. So it's like... I'm like that, and you don't think like that, and I, I can't. I'd rather think I'm just like you, 
right. or Fez or, or it's just, Annie. It's just a, just the work that you do. But it, what's really <laughs> wild is that you just don't realize that even this work still carries on, that those records mean stuff to people, those concerts mean stuff to people. It, it's amazing. I do this show, uh, a one-woman show. It's called Beyond the Beehive. Mm-hmm. And the people in the audience, I notice they're crying. They're laughing because right. I'm very spontaneous on stage. I never um, have things on my mind, what I'm going to say when I get out there. Everything is at the moment when I get out there. So to see people, how they go crazy over me, it does shock me. You know, the first two songs, I'm like, inside, I'm like, my heart is beating so fast. Yeah. And then I see after two songs how much they applaud me. They like me. And, you know, it's like, you really like me? I haven't been around for years and years. But I think what happened when I wasn't around, that made people think of me more. Right. So when I came back, it was my shows were packed, and I'm saying to Springsteen, or, or, and I used to go out with Miami Steve, love that guy. He said, Ronnie. You don't know who you are because you were in California for so long. You don't know how great you are and what your records meant. It's so funny that you call Miami Steve because I haven't. That was the the Springsteen uh, name, of course, for Steve Van Zant, and (laughs) they call him Little Steven now. Baby Steve. He had every name. Um, But. It is amazing that here's all these talented musicians, Mm -hmm. and it goes back to that certain period where you and your friends were singing that music, making that music, and it's still coming back to you after all these years. Yeah, and and that's what shocks me, Ron, Mm -hmm. is that I'm actually, people are like, my shows are sold out. Right. And I'm saying, my shows? (laughs) You know, (laughs) I don't even have a record, but, you know, my records in the past, including Be My Baby, Walking in the Rain, they meant so much to people. It's like yeah. Brian Wilson said to me like a week ago. He said, Ronnie, do you know I play um, Be My Baby a hundred times a day? He, and he does. He considers that the greatest rock and roll and song saying, ever. Uh, uh, Brian, don't you realize that's 40 years ago? Yeah. He said, I don't care. I, I play it every day now. So I'm so happy that people still think about me, still play my records and... When I go into the grocery store, I hear my records, Do I Love You, the other day as I'm walking in the door. You know, so I hear all my records, and that alone, because one of my sons works in, at ShopRite. Mm-hmm. So when I go, Mom, when he comes home, I don't go there every day. Mom, they had Do I Love You, they had Walking in the Rain. I said, you're my little reporter. <laughs> you know, he comes home and tells me all the news, so it's wonderful. When you look back, and like you said, on the time that you stayed in the mansion and you didn't, come outside and you didn't know what was you know that the way people felt about you do you regret that or is that just part of life that's just one of the things that happens um uh i don't regret it because it was part of the process Mm -hmm. and i had to trust the process you know and i trusted myself i trusted my mother and i trusted because i loved the stage since i was like five years old i used to i had this huge family seven uncles and six aunts and i had 23 first cousins so every sunday at my grandmother's house especially Christmas time mm-hmm. we'd go up there and little Ronnie would get up on the coffee table and jambalani go it's fine if you leave a move and I didn't know if those were the right words right but my family applauded me that gave me that confidence and then to go to the Apollo Theater at Amateur Night at the Apollo Theater I said uh uh 
we're not going to make it, girls. We right. look too white, <laughs> you know, and we did. So we got in there, and I had my little cousin Ira, which looked you know, more like a Frankie Lyman, sort of dark. So he got out there, and he did couldn't, nothing came out of his mouth. I grabbed the mic, and I was singing uh, Frankie Lyman's Why Do Fools Fall? Why Do Birds? <laughs> and, I, and they went crazy over me. And that's when I knew I could make it anywhere in the world. Well, that is true, because that theater, the Apollo Theater, mm-hmm. In Harlem, will tell you exactly right. whether they love you or they hate you. You know what? We had a cousin that was working there. He came up to us backstage because you have to go down and because it's like down in the basement, all the uh, amateurs. And he said, "Girls, just remember, if they don't like you, they will throw shoes, they will throw <laughs> eggs." He scared me half to death before I even got on stage. <laughs> but something about scaring me made me good. Right. You know, it made my it pumped up my energy, and I went out there, and that crowd loved me. And I said, "If the Apollo loves me, I can be loved all over the world." Sure. And we were. Yeah. You guys, I think, were some of the first American acts to go over to England, We were, right? yes. We were the opening act. We, uh, Keith Richards, the Rolling Stones, yeah. Eric Clapton, uh, and the Yardbirds, all those guys were on before. We were the headliners. Wow. And the same thing in Germany. We had guys having orgasms in the mess hall and stuff. They would get on the floor and I said, what are they doing? <laughs> you know, I didn't know what that, all that was. So we had, wow. when I was with the Ronettes, I must tell you, though, Ron, yeah. we had the greatest times, yeah. uh, you know, at, at Brooklyn Fox and all those places. And just being in Long Island, Bronx, Brooklyn, of course, right. that made me a star because we were born in Manhattan. But uh-huh. uh, when I got to Brooklyn with Murray Decay, his dancing girls, that's when I became a star. Did you feel like just crossing over into the other borough was as exciting as everything yeah. else that you've ever done? Oh, Is yeah. that something? Because Manhattan, the Bronx, yeah. Brooklyn, all those are like home. Right. You know, so we had to take a subway to the Brooklyn Fox. We had nothing. You know, uh-huh. no money. I couldn't even, my mother and father couldn't even send me to piano lessons or send me to singing school. And so I had to take Frankie Lyman's records, the schoolboys' records, Frankie Valley. I take their records when I come home from school, and I had this one with 45 and a little, you know, <laughs> yeah. a little photograph there. And that's when I learned all my songs, and that's how I learned how to sing. The Frankie Lyman, Frankie Valley, all those, the schoolboys, please say you want me. It, it's almost like it wasn't up to you, like it just happened, like you it, had to do it. It was, it was like fated to be. Yeah. I had to be on that stage, and it started when I was like five or six years old yeah. with my family. And when they applauded me, I said, that's, what, and my mother always told me, though, and my father, they both would say, Ronnie, you have to get your education then your career, and then you can get married and have babies. So when I met Phil, I thought, this couldn't be perfect, because I loved him. I really did. Um, This is so perfect. He's my producer, my writer. And he had told me, he said, Ronnie, I'm not letting you go on the Beatles tour, their first tour in America. And I said, why? And he said, I have a better song for you, better than I want to hold your hand. And I got back to California and Gold Star. I never did another record. I did one song by Tony Wine. You came, you saw, you conquered. And that was it. So he actually... Oh, and I went to England because yeah. the Beatles said, you have to come to England. And George Harrison uh, uh, produced me and made Try Some, Buy Some, which right. was so great. And I see a guy, and it was nobody in, at Apple Records. And Apple Records is huge with those high ceilings. I walk in, and I see this guy with his hair pulled to the side, and he's playing the piano. And I'm saying, 
who's that? And, of course, my ex-husband was there, too. And um, he said, just walk a little closer. And it was George Harrison wow. sitting at the piano with his hair all over his face. I didn't know who he was. And he looked up at me, Roddy! Because I'd known those guys before right. they became the Beatles. Just like the Rolling Stones. It was the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, and me. And, you know, <laughs> the, these stories that you had, Keith just wrote his book mm -hmm. that, you know, you ended up in. Do you think to yourself, I want to get some of these stories down, I w want to put them out there? No, for you. No. I, I, I'm reading the book now, mm -hmm. but it was funny because I'm reading this part. He's talking about him and me, I thought. Ronnie and I, and then we start laughing, and I was telling her jokes, or him jokes. And then I, as I read, he was talking about Ronnie Wood because he said, let's go in the bathroom and do some dope, you know. And I'm reading. I said, that's not, I never did drugs. You know, so I had to call Keith and he said, of course, I didn't mean you, Ronnie. It's Ronnie Wood. And I did read it in the book. So I love Keith. He has the greatest kind of, he's so down to earth. People don't know that, too. It's like how I am. Right. He's so down to earth. We go and he has people like in his band that actually live in his house and he feeds them and everything. Right. A lot of them are from England and they recorded me right there in Keith's house. And of course, uh, so many people that you met, Jimi Hendrix you met. Oh at God, a very I used time. to sing with Jimi Hendrix on 59th Street. It was this place called Ondine's. It was a little club. Bob Dylan used to come in and I would get up and Jimi Hendrix was the house band. Mm -hmm. And Jimi said, Come here, Ronnie, and I get up there, and we we tear up the place. They loved us. Wow! What year do you remember? What this, this is, is like uh, sixty two, uh -huh. sixty early sixty three, just before I met Phil. So this is before you even become a star, but years before Jimi Hendrix became a star. It'd be like oh, yeah. five or six years yeah. before. Well, see, Jimmy, when I met him the last time, of course he was a superstar. And I went over to his house because my sister was there. She said, you got to come over. Jimmy's dying to see you again. So I go over there, and Jimmy has about three girls on each side of him, and he's in the middle, and the bed is on the floor. So I go, and I said... I, I can't believe this. So I leave, because I'm married to Phil that, at that mm -hmm. time. At that point, there's so many of those kind of stories, though. And you never think to yourself, I want to write them down, I want to record these for history. Just, I mean, you, you seem to be the person that the stories are about, but did you ever want to tell it from your point of view? Oh, I wrote a book like 20 years ago, yeah. which was the top 10 you know, in the Times and all. And then... Um, you, if you don't have a record, see, a record means everything to me. Right. You have to have a hit record in rock and roll. That's when the people come out. So right. if you're in the studio, the next place you're going to be is out there with the audience. And when I met Phil Spector, that's when I knew I could make it everywhere. England, Germany, France. There was just something that you guys hooked up with musically. That there well, was a moment there. Yeah, and I always sang the lead on all the songs. Yeah. And um, the other two Ronettes were on maybe three, three or four of the songs. Right. And they were very upset. But Sometimes you, know, you would just move in different backup singers, whatever. Yes. He he would, had. Well, we always had Sonny and Cher, because mm -hmm. Sonny worked for Phil, and Cher was always his girlfriend, so she was always there. And uh, the Blossoms. We had all these people singing background 
for me. Right. But I couldn't be in the studio. Uh, I could only be with Cher. So Cher and I would go to Sonny's first wife's house because he had a three-year-old daughter, not Chaz, a three-year-old daughter before he even met Cher. Right. So Cher and I, when they were in there mixing records and stuff, Sonny and Phil, Cher and I would get in her little red MG and go to his ex-wife's house and give her money, food, clothing, stuff like that. So I became very close with Cher, very close. These stories are just incredible. Ronnie Spector, the new uh, Christmas EP is out, and you can get that off. Best, your... And you know what else, Ron? Yeah. This is going to be the best Christmas ever. I didn't put that in the title for no reason. Right. Best it really is Christmas ever. ever. And it's already starting with Annie Lennox coming in here. To... <laughs> I just... know Annie is like, I, I, I'm like still shaking. Isn't it that the sweetest thing ever? Oh. I, did, I thought she was here with you or interview. No, she was here. She was here earlier, and I said, uh, "Make sure you, st you know, come back." And oh she was like, "Oh, God. Ronnie wouldn't like that." I, I thought that you would. Of course, um, I'm always like you. Right. Know me, Ron, by I now. do know you. I, knew, I, do I know love you. people, and I love people in the business, and then they know me. That kind of throws me back, you know, uh, especially her. I want you to pay attention Annie. to that because I hear it time and time again. I do too, and it like scares me a little. Yeah. Because I don't understand where do you know me from? <laughs> Even little kids, you know, like 10 and 11, they'll my, be my baby and stuff. Absolutely. Ronnie Spector, the best Christmas, Christmas ever. ever. Thank you so much, darling. Thank you, Ron.
Ryan Fez. From your test results, Mr. Christopher, it appears your drug of choice is marijuana, is that correct? It's my first choice, yes. So, what does marijuana give you? Well, I become more aware of how beautiful everything is. What does marijuana take away from you, Mr. Christopher? Off the top of my head, I'd say boredom, loneliness, pain. Keeping the funk on today, Hicks. This is from Draft House. I'm a soul of course, it's Friday. Funk Friday. Gotcha. Why does that sound aggressive? Uh, does uh, it? I'm yeah. sorry. It comes across aggressive. Like, everything seems like a fight. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Coming up in just a little bit. Dave Marsh is going to be in here talking about uh, the... Meet and greet that we did here at Sirius XM Radio with Bruce Springsteen. You can hear that all tonight, Fuzzy, as they do the replay. On E Street Radio, that's at 11 p.m. in the East. E Street Radio, that's Sirius 10 XM 58. Uh, Craig, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, what's going on, buddies? I just want to say, you know, there's very few times when you're listening to the radio that something actually seems to move you. And as much as I kind of feel like a fact, but saying it, I mean, really... I got goosebumps listening to Ronnie, me, Danny Lennox, and, you know, vice versa. Really, it was there's just something magical about it, you know, that makes you just go son of a bitch. Yeah, it's really, really uh, sweet. Um, as a matter of fact, a bunch of people have been emailing in to Ron and Fez their way out at AOL.com. And I'm going to send those over to Steve Leeds, who booked uh, Annie on our show and gets Ronnie to stop by. Because a lot of those people in talent, the difference, you know, they do all this hard work, but then they never get the feedback from anybody but me. So I think the new thing I'm going to do is take some of the positive emails and send them on to those guys because they're all great and they all bust their ass. And then every once in a while, really cool shit like that happens, which, believe me, cannot happen in terrestrial radio. It just doesn't happen that way. And even if we were doing terrestrial radio when I had Annie on yesterday, we would open with an eurythmic song. Then I would have made her talk about the arrhythmics, which she doesn't want to do. Then, because of that, you get to play the song that she does want to play. And, you know, it's you're breaking it up with spots. But here, she could come in, you just talk about whatever they uh, interest her, whatever those people's passions are. So, it's a phenomenal thing. So, again, uh, those emails, I'm going to start and pass them along, or even the, the Twitters from 202 Friends. I like the idea of the positive uh, stuff getting passed along instead of the same three people who hate me who seem to post every day. Same thing every day from the same three people. Fez, again, imagine the fucking weirdness of tuning into something that you hate. Don't even fucking think about those people. Think about the people that you make happy. Like Ronnie Spector, you're over there working the mic back and forth. She loves you. Well, you had a nice day. You had a nice day. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It is the Ron and Fez show. Uh, we are having a gigantic giveaway in Christmas. 
And this, again, I'll point this out to people, is Mr. Fez Watley has been doing this for you throughout the year. Uh, we get amazing guests to come in here. Some of them have done our show, but sometimes just that are doing other things here at SiriusXM. And Fez has managed uh, to get a ton of shit signed, and we're going to be giving a bunch of it away in December. Just go over some of the giveaways. We got great stuff like Terminator 2 on DVD, signed by Academy Award-winning director James Cameron. How do you like that? We got a vinyl Beach Boys Pet Sound album, uh, autographed by Brian Wilson. Where did your long hair go? We got books uh, autographed by Deepak Chopra. Hello, this is Deepak. Uh, all kinds of great stuff. We got a DVD copy of Mr. Show, uh, signed by David Cross when he was here. That was a great MS, too. As Eddie Izzard signed concert DVDs. Uh, pity the fool. Uh, pity the fool. I'm Eddie Izzard. I pity the fool. Copy of... I'm getting the impressions done good. Yeah. Do you, you're working on it. Mm. Uh, Wag the Dog on DVD, signed by David Mamet. That's incredibly cool. I, that, you know, I don't, I'm not really big on signed stuff, but what I love about it is that this is regifting. That Just think of how many people that you know that love some of these things... If you win one, you immediately regift it. Doesn't cost you any money, and now you give your brother something that he's forced to have for the rest of his life. Because if you just, you know, you give him like his favorite movie signed by his favorite director or a great album uh, signed by a rock and roll legend, Brian Wilson, that is some. That's a keeper. That becomes Fezzi an heirloom. Oh, yeah, you're going to be a hero at Christmas. We got Quincy Jones's latest CD, signed by Quincy Jones. Fez, you like apples? Yeah, I like apples. How do you like them apples? We got to sign Quincy Jones. We got CD signed by Natalie Cole. Of course, Annie Lennox, who was here yesterday. We got some great stuff. I didn't stuff. know she was here, but I'd love to have met her. We got some great stuff signed by her. Uh, Johnny Knoxville, Jackass the Box Set, signed by the leader of the Jackass guys. Geraldo has signed a book for us. We've got a Keith Hernandez autographed baseball, and this is all going out during December. We're going to be playing Search, Search, Hurry Up and Search every single day that we're on the air during December uh, for you to get the chance to win this stuff. Bored to Death, Season 1, signed by Jason Swartzman. Fantastic. Uh, and that's thanks to our buddy Erock who, who clipped that. Uh, Sean, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, has Fez got anything from Tutshore? <laughs> that reminds me of that really bad Christmas present I got from Fez, a fucking ashtray. Not even some cigars to put in it. It was an ashtray from Tutshore's restaurant. Hicks, is this your, this your favorite song in the whole world? It's one of. Why do you love Brian Wilson so much? It doesn't even seem to fit you. Listen, you... It might not fit, but Pet Sounds, you have to give it respect. And that fucking guy orchestrated that. And it's just brilliant. By the way, you know his favorite song of all time? Be My Baby. It's awesome. So there it's it is. There's a, There's a connection. There's a connection. It all comes back to Ronnie Spector. Well, this is uh, going to be a lot of fun, Fuzz. And we're going to cut promos for this? Yeah, we'll have some promos that we got to cut a little bit later on on today's show. I was working on something. I don't know whether you're going to like it or not, though, but see if it's good. They think they're both faggots, and it won't take either of them. <laughs> 
And I love it because it gets a big laugh because it's universally funny. It gets a gigantic laugh there. I don't care for that part of the song. And I don't know if that should be a theme that we take into the holidays with us. Now listen to that. Well, who ripped that off? Pink Floyd? Thank you. Mm. Look, East uh, Side Lama writes, Don't worry about the haters, Fez. Take some solace in knowing that you got your hands on some of their cash. Fez Watley, the bandit. I used to be the bandit, now it's Fez Watley. Which is not bad for you. Uh, what's in the news there, Fezzy? Why don't you give us some news items? I haven't been keeping up today. Well, Donald Trump is saying that he he's again talking about running for president, saying that he, he thinks it'll be fun. And I don't know if that's the quality you want in a president. And he's also saying that he is willing to take on Sarah Palin for the Republican nomination. Well, we've talked about this a million times. He always talks about running for president, and it's because now he's got people talking about it which ties that into the Trump brand, as he likes to call it. Yeah, I don't know which I would... I mean, if it came down to those it's two... It's not going to come down to those two. He's not going to run, and if he runs, it's going to be half-assed. There's going to be legitimate people getting votes. If he ran, he'd have to run as third party, and he's not going to win. So also, there's uh, it looks like the Eva Longoria, Tony Parker breakup, their divorce. Uh, they were saying that Tony Parker was cheating. It turns out that it was just texting. It wasn't any sort of physical relationship with this woman that he was supposedly having the affair with. Maybe he fucked her with his phone. So it was just a sexting relationship. That Eva Longoria was considered cheating. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know if that, if you're going to say he cheated on me in a court of law to try to get money out of him. Well, that's not how they give it out. Oh, well, I, I thought it was that, you know, if um, if he did damage to her or whatever, it was. That was, was like that in the 1950s. Okay. But that isn't what the court of law, the court of law is to see what they're worth and who gets what. There's no guilt. It's a no-fault d- divorce that we have. Okay. Because I, I knew she was trying to get some cash out of him without paying any out herself. <laughs> Paying out any of herself. What she wants is half the assets or whatever she thinks is coming to her. I don't know whether they'll get them or not. But it's never about who's wrong. It's about whatever the deal was in that marriage. Oh, okay. Now, here's something that is driving me nuts. This movie, it's coming out next week. I Potter? Think- Harry Potter? No. Nope. Hey, uh, Hicks, you want to go see Potter with me today? I got Pottermania. Do you? I've never seen any other ones, though. Me neither. But I know if we get in there in the theater, if we're confused about anything, we can ask some of the kids. Like, okay. who's that guy? Like, during the movie? Yeah, like, right. why is Voldemort so mean? I, I could be open to that, then. We get popcorn, right? Yeah, we get popcorn. Sweet tarts? You know what? I'm going to get butter flavoring for you all. Oh, right. hell yeah. All right. And stop in the middle, put in some butter flavoring, then the rest, and then more butter flavoring. Thank you. Finally, someone's got it right. Yeah, because I don't want it all dry on you at the bottom. Oh, I want no. you to get that grease. Love that. It's going to slide right out of his seat. Now, this is a movie with... What do you eat with your ass? Uh, with, this is uh, a movie coming out next week with Jake Gyllenhaal and Anne Hathaway. And now all the promotions 
for this movie. Mm -hmm. Everything I see online, and it, it's coming up everywhere, are the semi-nude shots of Jake G Gyllenhaal and Anne Hathaway. Semi-nude. Semi what, what's that? One nut? No, it's, it's you know, it's like... I'll show you one nut, and that's it. They're nude, but you're not really seeing any nipple or, you know, no well, full frontal, God. no ass. But we're supposed to be so excited that these two are posing nude together. And it's supposed to be so, oh. Isn't that supposed to be a very sexual movie? Yeah. That Anne Hathaway is a little looker. Hell yeah. She's going to be on Saturday Night Live this week. Watch, I'm just going to watch Havoc on loop. This movie's awesome. Jesus. She got one part. She got more than semi-nude and nut. Train and these on. photos aren't even sexy. They're like all wrapped around each other and just laughing like donkeys in each one of them. I don't know. I haven't seen any of these. Here's my latest Entertainment Weekly that came in the mail. What? And, of course, it's <laughs> semi-nude Jake Gyllenhaal and Anne Hathaway like, laughing it up as they're naked and wrapped around each other. Now, I know that you're shocked by this, but hasn't this gimmick been done a million times by rock stars and movie stars? Yeah, Jackson. This is kind of what's done. That, that's the thing. They're trying to shock us without showing anything. Well, they're move, not trying to shock us. They're trying to be happy. It's like, move your bony arms, Anne Hathaway. Show us the nips, and then maybe we'll be shocked. You're not going to have a full tit shot on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. And these shots are just everywhere. They're all over the place online. I don't know. So you're angry? That yeah, they're promoting their movie? It's it, well, it's just so it's it's nothing about the movie. It's oh, we're supposed all we hear. I about think it's is, supposed to be a sexy movie. Yeah, but it, with the articles about these um this photo shoot that it's a uh, oh they're so brave for doing this. They're not brave. If we saw the Gyllenhaal balls, then I would say maybe you're brave. Gyllenhaals. If that had happened. Okay. Didn't you do beard porn with the? Uh... Somebody? With Eastside Dave. Yes, I did. Didn't you both keep on your ugly underwears? Yes, but that was beard porn. That was, that was, that was beard sex. We were rubbing our beards up against each other. Gross. And then they just keep talking about how their, oh, their love scenes were so awkward together. And Anne Hathaway uh, bruised her arm and had sore knees from doing it. And it's... I don't, if this is supposed to be some sort of sexy movie, they are taking all the sex out of it with this photo shoot crap. I don't understand the young people today and their sexy scenes. We used to have Jimmy Stewart and Tom Mix. You never saw Tom Mix half nude with a horse. And why are blacks and whites making love to each other now? That's crazy. In my day, we had World War II and Hitler. Now they have uh, Bin Laden in the 9-11 war. Stupid. And Anne Hathaway is disgusting. In my day, we had Mrs. Hathaway, and she'd go over and Jethro would chase her around. These young people today don't understand. Um, Rocky, you're in my face. What's up, fellas? Um, don't any of these celebrities have a delete button on their phone? How do they all keep getting caught out there on their phones with these fucking messages? Uh, I'm not even sure what you're talking about. The Tony Park Eva Longoria thing. You were just saying oh. with the sex thing? 
Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It seems like it happens to a lot of people because here's the thing. It's Tony Parker's phone. I don't know why you ch your chick would be checking to see what your messages were. If I was even checking my chick's phone to see what messages are, I'd feel like a fucking lunatic. Greg, you're on the Run Fez show. Yeah, I was just trying to figure out how Fez is the one to gauge anything being sexy, considering he uh, is, has no idea what sex or sexy really is. I've never felt it, but I, there's no reason why I can't look at something. Did and you just say, say I never felt tit? Well, I know I've never felt tit. Oh. But there's no reason why I can't gauge this ad campaign that they're trying to put out there. Talking about awkward sex. All right, let me ask you this. Do you have sex? No. Do you go to movies? No. What are you doing uh, getting entertainment tonight sent your way? And I thought there was a TV show. This is Entertainment Weekly. Why, why do you get this sent to your house? What fucking year is this? Don't they have a website? Yeah, I've had a subscription for years. Oh, yeah, look at this. Cardholder since 1936. Oh, Fay look Ray at this. Just cover. as I open it up, uh, it's going to help us out for our first uh, movie. Here's uh, Snape, Voldemort. The Lord of the Rings? What is that? Bellatrix, Lestrange, y'all. Draco Malfoy. Boy, he's a hideous looking fuck. There's Wormtail. Is every British actor in the world in these fucking shows? I gotta start watching. I guess we'll go today, though. Pottermania. Boy, look at the thick thighs on Wonder Woman. She's disgusting. Ooh. Fez, now, when you uh, read your Entertainment Weekly, do you feel like that's five exciting min minutes? Because <laughs> there's nothing in here. It's a little thin. This ought to be called Entertainment Weekly Reader. Um, Paul, you're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie, I remember back uh, that uh, Fez said that he thought the Avatar chick was sexy. Did you, Fez? Oh, I said that the, uh, the Avatar people, I said that Navi were very sexy-looking people in the movie. Cartoons? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even oddly enough, yes. Anime. Anime that shit up. And in 3D. Didn't you used to batch the fucking anime, Hicks, when you were a kid? Yep, it was called hentai. That is the porn version of anime. Tentacle rapes and such. What was it about tentacle rapes that turned you on? Oh, it was kind of cool to watch. <laughs> tentacle monsters raping nuns or whatever, I guess. How did I say that out loud? Sounds really bad. Yeah, I guess. I guess it is bad. Uh, there, there's rumor that Bill Parcells is thinking about going back to coaching. Isn't that rumor always exists, though? Has that rumor ever gone away during your lifetime? So uh, there's uh, apparently a uh, documentary about Parcells. And his Rockumentary. I'm Parcells. I'm Parcells. I'm thinking about going back to coaching. I don't even know if that's rock. So at the end, he's uh, near the end of this film, he says, get me back out there. So now the other rumor, so since that's in the film, mm -hmm. so the coaching rumors show up, and then apparently the other part of this rumor is that if Brad Childress is out of Minnesota... Jeez, do you think? That Parcells... Will yes, of course he's going to be out. He fucking pushed all in on Favre, and he's not going to go to the playoffs. He's not going to last to the end of the season. Him or Favre. And uh, so 
apparently the Vikings owner is a big, big Parcells fan and will probably try to lure him to the Vikings job. Okay. Not a bad idea. I don't know if I would want Parcells for my team at this point. At what point? Like if my team was looking for another coach. Okay, why not? He's a fucking winner. Yeah, but he also likes to leave, too. At least he'll give the bump to your team, he'll get him up and moving, and you'll have something. Maybe he'll leave after the championship, or at least after the playoffs. And I've got a, and I just have a prejudice against him anyway. He left the Bucks high and dry twice, where he had apparently accepted the job of head coach and then decided against it at the last second. Right, but we do see that he's been a successful guy in his life, right? Yeah, he's been successful. So if you could lure him there and your team wasn't successful, why wouldn't you? I don't think he'll go back to Dallas, um, but Minnesota may be a possibility if he still wants to coach. He won't go back to Dallas because Jimmy Johnson wants to be the general manager and Parcells doesn't want that. Uh, another coach uh, was uh, Brian Billick. He was talking about how with these coaching opportunities that are opening up, especially the one in Dallas, that he has a Super Bowl ring, but his name never gets thrown in the mix. It's a very good point. I didn't even think of him. I forgot all about him. That it's Gruden, it's Cower. Well, I would want Gruden and Cower before him. But he he's definitely a guy I would, would take a look at. I mean, he did win a fucking Super Bowl with them. They had a badass defensive team. He never got an offense together, though. So I don't see him in the same league. Uh, certainly, I, I, I see Cower as being the number one guy that's still out there. And with Billick, I don't understand. I mean, I know he comes across really arrogant, and egotistical, but I would think you would want that kind of in-charge guy in charge of your team. Again, he's not, he, he's not considered in the same thing as those other guys that we're talking about. He's definitely uh, one place down below it, but he'll work again if he wants to work. I think his biggest problem is he just comes across unlikable. I don't know how he... There's not a lot of likable coaches out there. Most of the coaches are pricks. Look at New England. Prick. Um, any of the great coaches, there were people who were like, I hated them, but I played for them. You know, it just happens that way. And the Cincinnati Bengals, they uh, ended their... Um, Walk like an Egyptian. The, uh, Bengals. And they, uh, not, uh, they're going to be blacked out this weekend. Mm -hmm. First time since 2003. I think they've had like 57 straight sold-out games. And finally, the fans of Cincinnati are tapping out on this. So they won't be on a red zone? Yeah, they'll still be on red zone. Oh, awesome. You just can't see them locally. Red zone's the greatest shit ever. I you, saw it for the first time last week. It you, blew you, my mind. Yeah, you can't see them if you're in this sense. I don't know how to have this conversation. What? You're like when my dad signed on to the internet a few years ago. I can't sit around and talk about something that that's old. Is it that old? Yeah, it's been around for... I think we're going on 10 years with Jeez, red zone. I feel very silly. Well, first, couldn't you, I think you had to have the dish. Maybe you still do. But I, I do it through the computer, hook that up to my TV. That's awesome. It's, the fucking, it's just so awesome. There's no fucking commercials. It's just constantly fucking touchdowns. Again, right? yes, we know. I'm sorry. I'm just, it's just very exciting. <laughs> There's something else new, too. It's called uh, The Beatles. You ought to check them out. The, the, the Bengals uh, team they're playing this Walk weekend. like an Egyptian. Bengals uh, is the Buffalo Bills. So I wonder if you can blame this on Cincinnati, or is it really more of a Buffalo thing? 
We're just not going to go watch the Bills play. Um, well, I know you're not, you don't have high opinions about this, so I'll give one, Fess. It's also you're in Ohio. It's very expensive to go to games. Your team isn't winning. If it was cheap to go to games, people would show up. But there's 10% unemployment and even higher than that in Ohio. And the Bengals aren't having the kind of fucking year that, you know, people expect it. Um, here's uh, Corey. You're on Run of Fez. Hey, buddies. How we doing today? Good. Barnaby, you're doing God's work. Uh, Fez, you want Bill Parcells on your team because, one, he's going to leave it better than when he found it. Think of the Cowboys and the Dolphins the last couple of years. The Dolphins have a lot of injuries this year, and that's why they're not good. And, two, you don't want a player-friendly coach like Wake Phillips because look what that gets you. You want an asshole. But check it out. Love you guys. Bye. Peace. Um, here's uh, Bill. Bill, you're on Run Fest. Yo, real quick. The uh, the way Red Zone came about as part of uh, you know history there for Hicks is uh, it was a compromise between people who wanted to get the season ticket but couldn't because of where they lived. So Comcast came up with it, and uh, that's what the deal was that they signed off to. And frankly, it's fucking better than the season ticket. Uh, well, how long has it been around now? Like two years. I had it like fucking seven years ago. Maybe it was a different name. The Reds. Really? Yeah, I had it on the dish. Oh, I never had that. I never had the dish, man. I just got Comcast. So I consider myself extremely fucking lucky that they I couldn't work it out. The beauty there, too, is it is the perfect thing if you're a fantasy football player. Oh, hell now, yeah. it ruins everything else in life. It ruins your ability to sit down and enjoy a fucking game. But what I do is if I'm watching a game on regular TV that I'm into, every commercial... Red Zone! It's the shit. And now they got it for college. Yeah, I saw that. It was Game Zone or some shit. Well, the, ESPN, one of the ESPNs is going to be running it. And the thing in there is there's like 140 yeah. fucking college games. It's impossible. The Slippery ball. rocks at the three-yard line. <laughs> um, Charlie, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Hey, uh, I had an opportunity to listen to Lou Holt give a speech a few years ago, and I think he's very similar to Parcells. He spoke a lot about uh, his desire in coaching wasn't necessarily about maintaining excellence. It had a lot more to do with building excellence. And after he got to a certain point at Notre Dame, he realized he didn't want to be there anymore because he achieved everything he could. Well, th it is a very funny thing because, uh, let's face it, it's harder, believe it or not, to keep something running than it is to get something running. You know, and we all do that with our jobs. Just think, the first couple of years of your job, and when you're figuring stuff out, you're really into it. But after that, you're just like, fuck this place. I'll come in, do a couple of facts, sit here. It's hard to keep that fucking passion up on a daily basis. You know, that's when you look at stuff like Don Shula went, how many years did he keep coaching after his perfect season. That had to be a, the biggest pain in the ass in the world. What am I doing wrong? I haven't had, uh, I haven't gone back to the Super Bowl, and I got Dan fucking Marino. This sucks. Uh, we're waiting uh, to get a chance to talk to Dave Marsh, who's going to stop in here and talk to us a little bit about Springsteen's uh, Q and A. That is rerunning tonight on E Street Radio. Um, let's go over here to uh, Ryan. Ryan, you're on the Run of Fest show. 
Hey, what's up, buddies? Yeah. Ronnie, uh, I was wondering if you have an Xbox 360 by any chance, because if you do, uh, ESPN just came out with this new thing, ESPN3, where you can uh, watch any sport. Mostly for you, it worked because uh, it has a lot of soccer from uh, the English Premier League to the Italian and Spain one. So you can watch uh, games live and not have to wait till like, 10 a.m. on Saturday morning to uh, watch me anymore. It's really great. Uh, it's all I've been watching the past few weeks. Uh, definitely recommend you should check it out. I got the, of course, I, I got the Xbox 360, but I didn't even know about this. But what I'd like to do is watch football games that I could play my Madden against real teams. That is when I'll finally be comfortable. And I really do think that with some of the different formations I've come out, I could beat the Patriots. You need to fucking showcase that ability. Hopefully this fucking lets it happen. I'll tell you this. We're going deep every fucking play, including fourth down. Fuck it. No running game, though? No, fuck the running game. I like to go long. All right. I want circus it. catches. There's Moss right there. I wonder how he'll shit to bed this week. Who are you playing this week, Fez? I've got the uh, mystery player mm. this week. Started out last night, two dolphins, a uh, total of two points. You had two points? Uh, yeah, I've ended, yeah. What are you doing with dolphins on your team? I've got uh, Donald Brown, and I had uh, the kicker. Donald Brown? This is Ronnie Brown. Ronnie Brown, I'm sorry. And Turn uh, around, Hicks. A panic behind you. And the kicker, of course, 16 to nothing. So, two points. All right, uh, Fez, big, uh, big, big interview going on. And tonight we're doing the replay on... That's right. It's the Bruce Springsteen special hosted by Dave Marsh. It's on E Street Radio tonight at 11 p.m. in the East. E Street Radio, that's Sirius Channel 10 and XM Channel 58. Now, uh, Dave Marsh, uh, of course, legendary uh, writer... Uh, film critic also has three different uh, shows here on Sirius. You can hear my kick out the jams uh, Saturdays at 5 p.m. on the loft. Uh, also, I think he's doing something on one of the left channels. I'll let him explain that. But legendary writer, uh, Rolling Stone editor, wrote for Playboy, wrote for Cream, knows everybody in the history of rock and roll. Let's bring him in, Dave Marsh.
right, Dave Marsh uh, in studio with us. How are you, man? I'm doing great. You know, I've been looking forward to this because I went to my local comic book shop two weeks ago, and they said, hey, Ron and Fez were talking about you on the radio. They said they wanted you to be on the show. I said, well, they they didn't ask me. If they asked me, I'll do it. I'd be glad to do it. You know? um, so thank you for having me. Sure. I did listen to the broadcast that you did with Springsteen. Of course, huge amount of excitement here in the building everybody was going crazy about it it was great to you know it was great to be part of something around here this is a great place to work in yeah. my opinion and to get everybody so excited was just like what a kick yeah yeah it it is uh pretty amazing too i mean you've been around rock and roll for a long time but the thing that we have going on here right now with the people coming in and out of the building it's extraordinary and yeah uh, we just had this experience yesterday where I had Annie Lennox on the show, and then I told her, uh, she asked me what I was doing later, and I said that Ronnie Spector was coming in, and she was like, oh, would you tell her that I love her? And I said, well, just come back. And she came in and surprised Ronnie Spector oh, on the air. Oh, that must have been unbelievable. And, yeah, we just played it today, and Ronnie has, you know, no idea how many people out there just adore her. You know, she's like in her own world of, Ronnie you know, thinks that she's like this little girl who made some hit singles a long time ago. Yeah. It's the strangest thing. So she was like, no oh, idea my God. How many of us have a crush on her stuff? Yeah, it's still, still. Or how many people had ended up doing Ronnie Spector, both, you know, women oh, and yeah. men? Well, Bruce. Yeah. You Springsteen know. loves her. Oh, well, I mean, he sounds like her when he can. Yeah. On this new stuff, he sounds like her. I thought the cutest thing she said, too, when I, I brought up Bruce to her, that she's still, she uh, said, him in Miami Steve. She still calls the little Steve in Miami Steve, which is uh, yeah, the well, real early you know, days stuff. Stevie now. Yeah. <laughs> His birthday's Monday. I'm expecting a new name on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> he and P. Diddy. Steve has a big, Steve has the big birthday on Monday. Oh, yeah, the big one, huh? Yeah. Uh, so you got to do this thing with Springsteen, who you've known for... How many years now? Uh, Seventy-three, so it's like a thirty-seven years. Thirty-seven years. Yeah. And I thought the amazing thing was, well, he did your show, then the next night he's on Jimmy Fallon's show, and just how well he does that kind of stuff, considering that he doesn't do it that much. Well, you know, you don't become known as the greatest performer of your generation. Right. <laughs> and not, you know, and, and you know, it's, it's sometimes he's exactly who you think he is mm -hmm. uh, from knowing him off stage. And sometimes he's a little different. And, and, you know, he threw me a little bit Monday night because he chose a very sardonic way of looking at himself. Right. You know? It's really, really, you know, kind of lashing himself. So, that, so much so that I said at the end of the interview, I said, I'm beginning to think I need to tell you that I wish you liked you, you as much as I like you. <laughs> well, it was really weird, too, that he got into that thing about, in his opinion, the people that are the best are the ones still struggling, you know? And, uh, you know, he brought up Elvis, and I think he brought up uh, Johnny Rotten, I think Joe Strummer. The people that he likes are just still working this thing out, which I think is amazing at, when you're this far along in a career. Well, like if you Space think Steve. about some of the people he's become friends with in the last period of time, you know, Mike Ness mm -hmm. from some Social Distortion is, is, comes right to mind. Um, you know, the guys in Glasslighting Anthem who are writing modern songs about that struggle. Um, you know, it's it's pretty much borne out by by that kind of thing. You know, um, it, it was great. You know, we had him at our Chris and Ann Carfund benefit last April. Steve Van Zant put together a thing where the Rascals reformed for it. Right. And those guys who 
I don't know if they were struggling when they had all those hits, but they are now. Right. <laughs> you know, and it, it was it was great to see their interaction. So yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much coming from that working class background, you know. And they were really. I mean, my dad was a railroad worker, and I always think of Bruce as much more working class than me because you know, I mean, they didn't have heat some of the time. Yeah. Well, that was the weird thing too. I grew up right outside of Philadelphia, and that area adopted the E Street Band so, so on the Jersey side around Cherry Hill in there? Yeah, on the other side, on uh, the on the Pennsylvania side down near right. Chester. Sure. And uh we used to think of them as a, a local band when we were kids. And uh it was they were. Yeah. Yeah, they they played a lot. So straight and, shot in from I've driven it many times when I used to live in Point Pleasant Beach. <laughs> uh-huh. Straight shot in on Jersey uh, Route seventy. <laughs> but so for us growing up, those songs were exactly everything that that we were thinking, you know. And then when I remember when he broke and it took a couple of times before it oh, finally yeah. became national, it felt like some kind of local boy makes good. Well, you know? even when he jumped from playing the main point, which was a yeah. not not a whole lot bigger than this studio, right? <laughs> uh, to to the to the Tower Theater that was gigantic, which was like maybe fifteen hundred, two thousand, about yeah. the most. Yeah, um, that was a huge. You know, I can remember when that happened. It was like that was a buzz around. Yeah. you know the Bruce crowd. So for that. That he still has that same kind of push this many years later. It's, it's very strange. And I was thinking about him talking, and at some points he reminds me of Elvis when he's talking, but kind of like the way we wanted Elvis to turn out. You know what I mean? Like we wanted Elvis to stay somewhat truer to his roots, you know? You know, Elvis was. The problem with Elvis is that he did retain true, to remain yeah. true to his roots. He was one of those people displaced from, you know, kind of a, a small town in the South into a big city, and he got lost and confused and basically ended up living out this kind of uh, very expensive trailer park existence where he took too many prescription drugs. Yeah, yeah that's true. He was the first Oxycontin guy, I guess, when you think well, about more it. more or less, yeah. He was the first, you know, kind of a Rush Limbaugh cocktail of some kind. Right. But only from his doctor. Elvis, you know, was anti-drugs except for everything he got from his doctor. You know, yeah, which is sort of, you know, that's like uh, going to church on Easter and Christmas. Right, yeah, it's <laughs> cheating. It's definitely cheating. <laughs> so for you, you're writing about all these different people in, in rock and roll, and I mean, you were in Rolling Stone in the heyday. You know, like the when it was. Yeah, when I met Bruce, I had just left Cream Magazine in Detroit, and I was working for Newsday out on Long Island, mm -hmm. and sort of ended up, it was a year later, I, I went to Rolling Stone, actually, to replace John Landau, who had left to produce uh, Born to Run. Wow. So, and I knew John from back in Detroit, because he did that second MC5 album back in the USA. So, um, but Bruce, you know, the MC5 had withered into heroin abuse, uh, the Dolls at that time in 73 right. were at their peak. They were my band in New York, the first band that I really latched onto in New York and kind of followed around a little bit. And they were about to collapse of very similar things for a lot of the guys in the band. And here was a guy who could do everything that those two guys could do or those two groups could do. He could write, he could play, he could lead up, had a great band. You know, it was exciting, it was dramatic. They could do slow songs, they could do fast songs. And he looked like the guy who wasn't going to screw up. Right. He would look like the guy who had a real commitment to, not not like straight edge later, but he was just like a guy who 
was so focused and in a way innocent in his focus. Mm -hmm. You know, the drug things were like, you could just, I mean, I don't even think he took a drink in those days. You know, I, I mean, I can't remember how long I knew Bruce before he, he, uh, would have a cocktail. Long time though. Years. And, and even, I think he had a thing with the band where nobody was allowed to do dope, which was mm, very. Not like a Frank Zappa kind of thing, yeah. but I think that he, he didn't want to know about it. Right. You know, I mean, I, it's just funny because I just reread his, uh, obituary for Danny, uh, his eulogy at the, that was in Backstreet's magazine at Danny Federici's funeral. And he's pretty explicit that Danny was taking, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, uh, various substances. He had some story in there about Danny parking his car in a no parking zone with a no, with a marijuana plant sitting on the, <laughs> sitting on the dashboard. And then Danny goes, and of course he gets towed and he goes to pick up the car. <laughs> and Bruce, he tells Bruce, I got to go pick up my car. Bruce is like, I wouldn't do that, Danny. Yeah. And, you know, so Danny and Mad Dog, you know, Lopez were, you know, people had their rehab history, you know. Sure. Nils, and it was also, what, the 70s where it was not, I mean, abuse was Even, I pretty think normal. Everybody kind of got sober in the 80s. Yeah. But you know? in the 70s, people's parents were loaded. Everybody was loaded in the 70s, it felt like. It was much more risky in the 70s. I'm probably older than you. Yeah. So, so you know, it was risky in the 70s. I mean, I, I had, you know, I mean, my friend Wayne Kramer went to a federal prison for, sure. for using heroin. Um, and being caught with enough quantity of it for it to be a federal rap. Um, you know, it was, it was riskier in the seventies. You weren't going to get a ticket, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, even like you said with the plant, you could, they would end up saying that that plant, how big would it have grown? How many joints could you roll out of well, that and yeah. hit you for the whole thing? Well, you know, it's the whole, you know, funds illegal. So uh, it's got to be right. It's got to uh, be uh, until they put I, I it in the like casino. I think it doesn't absolutely have to be. <laughs> yeah, you know, until they put it in the casino and then it's all good for everybody. All right. So when you saw those guys early on, uh, you knew it was going to be I as big him, as he got. I saw him actually the first time I saw Bruce. He was the opening act at Max's Kansas City, another joint that's about as big as this studio. Right. The headliner was a little group called Bob Marley and the Whalers. And it was the only time that Bob came over here with uh, Peter Tosh and Bonnie Whaler. Wow. It was all three of them. And I don't know who the rhythm section was, but you can imagine it must have been Sly and Robbie. Mm -hmm. um, and so he he opened the first set and then he closed the second set because because as far as the Whalers were concerned, Max's Kansas City was Babylon. Fairly accurate summation. <laughs> um and so I went home and wrote my review for Newsday, which is like 300 words. Called it in. Because in those days, you know, you had no fax machine. Right. So you call the thing in. You have to spell every proper name. You have to, you know, it's like Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> period. Bruce, Bob, Marley, comma. And rushed back. It's the only time in my life I ever did this. I ran back so that I could catch his second set. Because I had missed a little bit of the first part of it. And... I saw something there. And I knew I couldn't see the Whalers again, which was unfortunate, but I knew I could see him again, and I liked it that much, okay? And it sort of went into the file of, yeah, this is very impressive. What's going to happen next? John Landau and I went to see him at a little bar in, in Cambridge. A small bar that wasn't full. It was like, you know, kind of 
plastic vinyl tablecloths and plastic vinyl seats on the on the chairs. It was like being in somebody's kitchen. They sat me down eight inches from Davy Sanchez's the piano player's elbow, and I thought I was going to get my nose broken. And they did quite simply one of the greatest sets I've ever seen in my life wow. to this day. One of the best sets I've ever seen Bruce do. He opened, if I remember correctly, Davey opened on a piano with a Mozart prelude that went into New York City serenade, and then they followed that with Fats Domino's song, Let the Four Winds Blow. <laughs> and at that point, you kind of reached up to make sure that everything was, you know, that your head was still intact. And, and they, you know, and they did two hours and in a bar for 50 people, like they were playing Madison Square Garden. And after that, it was all over as far as I was concerned. And I think John, uh, I know John John and I both felt the same way. Because I remember that ended at 2 o'clock in the morning. And by 7 the next morning, we were on the phone basically saying to each other, did that really happen? Did we just see something that good? So at that point, you know, here's an artist I'm going to be kind of following the rest of my life. Because I think that's one of the the strange connections between you guys, that you were there early and you're still writing about him and talking about him now after all these years well i guess i'm a perfectionist at some level mm -hmm. and when you see somebody who's even more of a perfectionist than you are and getting away with it plus it was fun yeah who else who else do i know who can make perfectionism fun it's drag i hate being a perfectionist it's an it's an interesting <laughs> thing and even when i was listening the other night of saying wow what a complicated guy that he is because sometimes you look at him you're like well this is good simple fun rock and then you're playing well these lyrics are you know a little further along than that and you know he's giving it a lot of thought but when you just start to i heard him say on the other the night on your show that the sound checks will go two hours that's, they used to he said yeah that's insane though that's Literally, if well, you... It was crazier than that, because I can remember that Danny Federici and I talking about this, because what he would do is, so you're out on the Darkness on the Edge of Town tour. It went mm -hmm. that late. It probably even went into the River tour. So let's say as late as 1980. So he's doing a two-hour sound check. And one of the reasons the sound check is so long is because he's teaching the band new songs. And sometimes he would teach the band a new song. Say, say we're in Amsterdam. This literally happened. We go through Amsterdam Airport probably on our way to Belgium, so we're in Brussels, right? And he comes out, and he's bought a Jimmy or a Steve, one of them, have bought a cassette of Jimmy Cliff songs, and they found this song trapped. And so they rehearse it at Soundcheck, and they come out and play it that night in this arrangement that's radically... It's, it's yeah. not a reggae arrangement by any means. But another night, he'll come out with a song that he's just written and rehearse it for an hour, a sound check, then go out and do his three and a half hour show, and you'll never hear the song again. Just do it once, and it, it drove it drove people crazy. Yeah, it was very, it was like he wasn't profligate about drugs; he was profligate about songs. Right, what a guy! But you know, <laughs> it's it's and it was fascinating to watch. And the reason I'm still around is it's still fascinating, still to this to watch. Day. And you know, also you like to think that. Well, you know, you know somebody for this long. The only other person I can really compare it to, you know, I went on Wayne Kramer from the MC5 that long, and Pete Townsend. I guess Smokey Robinson is the third one, uh, besides Bruce. And and you know, you've been through some things together. You've been through, you know, death and divorce and marriage and christenings and Super Bowls and, uh, you know, uh. 
just tough times and good times. You know, somebody got bailed out and somebody didn't. Yeah. It's, so it becomes so, a you life. Know, you can stay, yeah, and it's a life, and, and it's meant to be. Yeah, it's meant to be like that. And and the great thing about it is, with all those guys who all had their hard times, is that there's a human connection that you just very fortunate to experience it. Whether you do it with people at work, or whether you do it with people who are on stage, or whether you do it with people you meet in the street, mm. in a bar, in in church, wherever people go and meet people, and. Uh, uh, when they're when they and, and those four guys, the one thing I would say about them is the reason I think of them as a kind of a category is they're all still immensely creative. You know, I mean, Pete's sixty five now, and I don't know what he's going to come up with next, but I know it's going. I'm going to be really glad I get to hear it. Presumably, we're still both breathing by then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But you know, and Bruce the same way, and Smokey the same way. You know, I mean, I don't know if you heard that last Smokey Robinson. Right? Yeah, I had him. Did that valid his... version of "I Want You Back." I mean, yeah. that was worth the price of admission right there. Yeah, he's still so amazing, and probably even with all his success, overlooked. You know what I mean? As successful oh, as now. he is, people don't throw his name in with the Giants. It's, it's... No, well, he did that thing at the Hall of Fame, you know, where Bruce got a lot of attention and deserved it, and Stevie got a lot of attention and sort of deserved it. But he came out, and the first thing Stevie did was put Smokey on stage and had him sing Tracks of My Tears. Right. That, that, that was, to everybody I know who's actually fascinated by singing per se, that right. was the performance of the night. He sang better than even Darlene Love and yeah. Sam Moore, which was amazing because Bruce had those two in his show. Yeah, he is so amazing in so many ways. So amazing in so many ways. But there's so many people. But I, I wanted to ask you, because so much of your life you spent as a rock critic, can you sit down and look at those albums that are coming up by people? And maybe you've got this personal relationship, but then you're not pleased with the album. Um, can you still... Peter Wolf and the Jay Giles Band once didn't speak to me for two years because of a review I wrote. Does that answer the question? Wow. <laughs> what, what... And Peter's been my friend. Since their first album came out, so what's that? You know, what uh, what album was that? Mm, Hotline. No. <laughs> <laughs> so history has proved you right, but um, well, I was actually what history proved was two things. One of which was that that's not not a terribly good Jay Giles album. The other of which was I was very unkind to my friends, excessively so because they were my friends, and I wouldn't do it again. You would not do it in that direction. No, because yeah. it was said in a way that was excessive somewhat misleading about whether they were washed up. Actually, somewhat, it's just dead wrong. Right. You know? And and uh, it didn't help me. And I'm not in this. If I, I'm not so sure this was true when I was at Cream <laughs> or Rolling Stone, but I'm not really in this to hurt anybody. I'm sure. really in this to talk about. I mean, this is a great thing about being on radio instead of in print is basically you're just ignoring the stuff that you think isn't very good. I mean, it's, I'm like, I got the jam show. It. I do a lot of making fun of Bono and Elvis Costello, and people I think are over the top with their pretensions and under the top with their music. But, you know, for the most part, I'm much more interested in the stuff I love than the stuff I don't love. Well, by the way, since you brought up Jay Giles, that was incredibly. The live band was so unbelievable, those shows. And the people that only got into them in the 80s, I always feel sorry for because they're going, I. I don't know well, what you're talking about. It's it's people who don't know Jay Giles well should go and listen. They made three live albums, all of them, I might add, in my hometown, Detroit, um, where I was literally the first Jay Giles fan because I had the record way before it was out. And the first place they went to from the airport was my house. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> to meet with me and Lester and everybody, Lester Banks. Um, yeah, I mean, it is, Jay Giles were, you know, and I'm hoping, 
very desperately that they'll make it into the Hall of Fame this year. I don't know what their odds are. They belong are. there. They do. They belong absolutely there. belong there. They really do. Yeah, and the, Pete Wolf still making good records. I don't know if you. Yeah, that last uh, album I thought was amazing, and the one before that. The one before that, where he did that uh, duet with Mick Jagger on uh, yeah. "Holding On to Nothing But the Wheel," the country song it was fantastic. And this one's actually even a little better. Maybe it's a great duet with Shelby Lynn. And yeah, I, I love that album too. You're friends with Peter Wolf all this year, oh, all yeah. these years. And yeah. uh, after, well, except for that gap, you know, right. <laughs> He's he's so they, they actually took us to a friend of we were at a party at a friend of ours house in, in Manhattan here, and they and they kind of locked us in a bedroom for a couple hours and we hashed it out and everybody came out and there were no bandages necessary and people were really happy and so were we. I uh, I got to meet him uh, just not too long ago when that last album came out and I was talking to him. He goes, Yeah, but you know what they people say to me while walking down the street? Hey, Jay Giles, how you doing, Jay Giles? He's so <laughs> pissed that that band's name was Jay Giles. <laughs> And isn't it crazy, though, about people... Well, it that... would have been better to have the name of Peter's band when they merged the two <laughs> bands, which was the Hallucinations. Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a great name for a band. <laughs> it's a great name for a band. Um, it was a true name for a band in those days. So when you had uh, Bruce the other night, and you see him uh, laying himself out like that in front of people, where you said like he, he would be very hard on himself, and this strange need that he has to really push himself um is that the thing for greatness for you and all the kind of people that you're talking about is there some kind of urge that that some people get to go beyond acceptable oh yeah i mean mm -hmm. there's no question about that they, 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 all the great ones are driven you know yeah. i mean whether i know them you know i mean i don't know bob dylan bob dylan certainly is driven to do extraordinary whatever, things whatever he does that yeah, bob dylan thing. you know and 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 uh you know or or you know i mean and and the funny thing is if you look at it that way a lot of people who got lost i mean jackson brown's kind of lost now mm -hmm. um you know i just did this interview with brian adams who i always think is amazingly underrated you know his his ambition to say big things is not as big as some of the other guys but what Brian does, which is bring enormous pleasure to a number of people, which is always a function of rock and roll, I think, yeah. and soul music and all of that, is is Brian does that superbly well, you know. And he told me the other, he's actually he was up here at Sirius, and he told me uh, we talked, and then we were waiting for the elevator, and he said, "Well, tell Bruce because he knew I was going to see Bruce the same night." He said, "Tell Bruce that I can roll over and die now because he did that version of uh, of Cuts Like a Knife at Carnegie Hall at the right? Sting Benefit." So which I thought was <laughs> that was flattering. You know, <laughs> to for somebody. Is, is it weird to you to see who gets to make this long run, though? Who gets to last in rock and roll, and then the people who? Yeah, I don't think it's always as predictable as yeah. you'd like to. You know, you like to think that you were an expert and, and that you can always know that. Uh, you know, like I fell out of touch for some reason. It's stupid on my part. I just thought, well, Tom waits. You know, it's like an act, and it's like a little too big, mm -hmm. and you know. And then I heard some. But I do keep listening to guys like that. Mm -hmm. And I heard some record that for some reason or another con con connected with me. It was that, that big set of outtakes that he put out. Yeah. And I went, uh-oh, time to go back and get all the Tom Waits records that I kind of laid aside. And I was wrong. So I don't mind being wrong as long as I'm wrong on the upside. When you're wrong, on the, when you're, when you're wrong and you've overrated something that's just truly overrated, I will mercifully not remember an example here. You know, I mean, if you see what happened, what happened to Rod Stewart? Yeah, because I, I spent a lot of time with the faces at, at early on. 
And you see what happened to Rod Stewart, which is a guy, you know, who used to be a great songwriter, hasn't written a song in I don't know how many decades, you know, who used to be one of the great R&B singers and has now become a singer of Clive Davis' American Idol reject schlock. (laughs) (laughs) That's depressing. That's just flat out depressing. Is that the thing? Because when some people just want to pay attention to how am I, how am I charting? How am I doing? How many houses do I have? I mean, because this stuff sells. The the Rod Stewart stuff still sells. He does the American classics or whatever those things are. It's not my. I have the privilege of not having that be my worry. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's sort of like part of what's nice about being on the radio at Sirius as opposed to someplace in terrestrial where you'd have to be. Yeah, selling ads for as as the main function of what you're doing. I, I the fact that a lot of people enjoy Rod Stewart's crap as opposed to his genius level work in the early seventies was phenomenal, just, just phenomenal yeah. what he did for. It was great. He's, yeah. you know Maggie May and all those songs in that period and a lot of this hilarious stuff that he wrote and sang on uh, with the faces and moving stuff too. But I mean, you know, it's just. You know, it's it's, you know? <laughs> it drives you nuts. So that's the weirdest thing too that you got on this thing about being connected to music as such a you know young person. You were working when you were in your teens, and you still love it as much today. You're still passionate about it. Yeah, I think that's that's a. Uh, I don't know. I think if Barbara, my wife, were here, she'd probably just say it's like it's it's just a weird personality. But I think. You know, and this is the Smokey thing, really, because it was Smokey was the first one. And, 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 you know, I grew up in a, like I said, my dad was a railroad worker, and we lived in this part of Pontiac, Michigan, that they call now, Pont, I guess they did then, Pontucky. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a very southern, there was Klan there, there was all of that. And I was being led down the wrong path, and rock and roll was part of what grabbed me by the collar and said, uh-uh, you can do better than that. The truth lies elsewhere, and, you know... It's time to recognize, and and then there was, so there was all that just human stuff, and plus, you know, I will watch TV, and I would see, you know, everybody, you know, you watch Leave It to Beaver or something. And it's supposed to be a nice normal family, but everybody's father's going to work in a coat and tie, and it's just, I don't know how it was, you know, yeah. down where you were growing up, but to me, I didn't know anybody was like that, or unless it was a school teacher. Which I certainly wasn't going to trust a school teacher. No, I tried. To, yeah, I tried to bring this up to my kids that in my neighborhood there would always be work boots outside of the house when you went to your friend's house because none of the dads could ever wear their nasty work boots in because everybody worked in factories in those right. days. You know, yeah, exactly. So it was everybody's dad made stuff, literally, you know. physically made stuff. Yeah, and and you know, my dad's the thing was they moved stuff, but it was freight trains. You know, right. And and so cinders and the eye and you know that's the other thing is right. everybody's dad was working in actual physical peril. Yeah, and and uh, I, I think you know Philly and Detroit are alike in some musical ways. My wife worked with Hall and Oates for two years before mm-hmm. they figured out I wasn't from Philly. <laughs> that's really true. Is that right? Yeah, because I knew all the records they knew. You know, I knew Lenny Lenny O'Henry and across the street, and you know, I mean stuff that you probably I don't know if you some of that's a little before me. Yeah, yeah, but but you know, and and uh, it was just it was. Daryl said to me one day, "You're or John maybe well I can't remember one of them said to me one day, you're from Detroit, you know, and they thought I was from, so, but I think you know." There were towns like that. Baltimore's one, Philly's one, uh, Chicago's one, Pittsburgh's one, where people were, uh, what's that Bob Seger song, Making Thunderbirds? Mm. And they were proud of what they made. 
I don't know what people. What do people make? Oh, what did your dad make? We. Uh, my dad was in the plastics business, but there was. Uh, Boeing was real big. Sunship was real big. Right. So everybody's dad worked down there on the Delaware River doing something that got shipped out or moved in and unloaded. And that was just the lifestyle, you know. And to get back to Springsteen, when he first, you know, started hearing those songs about getting out, blah, blah, I'm like, yeah, because I don't know if I could even pull this off. Well, I don't know song, if I could I mean, just to write that. the song Factory. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, if you saw the Promise movie where he talks about his dad literally being, which I never knew, and I knew his dad, that his dad had actually lost, because his dad was kind of old by the time I knew mm. him. So, you know, he had hearing aids, but I didn't think anything of it. But that was from working in a plastic sure. factory. Exactly kind of thing that sounds yeah. like your dad did. Yeah, my dad was, you had to be, uh, even now, you have to be looking at him to talk right. to him. Exactly, you know, because well, was like that. You, 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 you know, you blow your ears out at a very early yeah. age. Yeah, and, and uh, you know... It's it's uh, so so Doug was very much that guy, and then what you find out on this new record, the promise is, which is even weirder, you know that that song Factory began as a song called uh, "Let's Go Down Tonight." Come on, let's go tonight, or something like that. It's on the, it's on this new record, and it's about Elvis dying and being in a factory town and deciding to. Go to Memphis because Elvis has died, and kind of pay homage as as so many thousands of people did yeah. and still do every August. That's a weird. You ever been there for that one? Yeah, I well, I haven't been. I've been there, but I haven't been there for the. Oh man, to be there in August, and it's weird, you know, because it's his. It's what I call his death anniversary. You know? Yeah, <laughs> and and uh, everybody, you know, his birthday is in January and January eighth, I think, and and nobody pays too much attention to Elvis's birthday, but the day he died, yeah. Because everything changed the day he died. Well, John Lennon, I guess, the same way here in the city, people still show up. Yeah, uh, it's, that's interesting, too. But his birthday actually is, well, no, I guess it's two months, right? John was born yeah. in October. And then it's very early. I mean, it's coming right December up. December 8th, I think. Yeah, that, it was December 8th and like October 8th. or mm. 18th. Yeah, it's not 18th because that's Chuck Berry and my daughter. But um, <laughs> So it must have been October 8th or 9th. So, yeah. And, you know, and that was a weird thing. Did you live in New York when John was no. here? Well, if you lived in Manhattan when John was here and sort of like you were around the West Side or something, you know, you didn't line up for the movies. There were Johnny Yoko. Right. Just, and, you know, you're in line with movies for somebody in those days. You'd be in line for 15, 20 minutes. Just end up ha having a conversation or eavesdropping or whatever, you know. They, they, John was actually living more like a normal person than people think that he was. And I guess one of the things you can say, I mean, he's signing an autograph or he thought he was at the time he got murdered, but um, he was kind of like, you know, he paid the price, I guess you could yeah. say. But on the other hand, you know, he was a great model. I worked for him once on a lawsuit. He was a great model. He was very honest in in his own way. And, and uh, you know, he was he, he did a very sweet thing for me. My daughter had just learned to read, so he... He gave her a copy of his book in his own right, a little paperback, and uh, which I don't think she has anymore, but I remember it. Of course, she read it and said, she, uh, next day, because I'm going back to court with John, it's like, uh, well, what'd you think? She said, I think, she handed it back to me and said, I think I got to read the stuff that makes sense first. <laughs> John was like, it makes fucking sense. It fucking makes sense. You know, this is after he told me, tell that fucking Chet Flippo at fucking Rolling Stone that I don't say fucking, I say fuck like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, bringing up Rolling Stone, well, like I said, when you were there as the editor, it was probably the dream job for most kids because there was pre-MTV, pre-all that kind of stuff, and we would you know wait for Rolling Stone to come out. How uh, good did Cameron Crowe get that down and, and when he did the movie Almost Famous? Did he well, capture you know, it? The funny thing about... about Cameron about, about almost famous, which, yeah. is, which in my opinion is the only accurate movie ever made about rock and roll in that period. Right, it's amazing to me. It's though. it's it's completely amazing. And you know, he starts out at the, at the time that picture was made. I was at Cream Magazine, which is where Cameron's mm -hmm. been writing, and and you have that whole thing with he and Lester Bangs, who, who was my coworker. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was the editor. So, you know, and, and, and by the way, that, I, who was it, Philip Seymour Hoffman? Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman. He nailed Lester. He got his posture. He got the way he walked around when he was on the phone. He got the whole, he got his accent, the whole thing, which could only have come from Cameron. So I saw it, and I said to Cameron, I sent him an email, and I said, you know, hey, you know, I felt like I was 18 inches out of the frame of every scene. You got everything right, and you especially got the women right, and I really appreciate it. But you gave Lester my job. I was the editor. <laughs> and so Cameron sends me this note back, which says as follows. Thanks. I'm really glad you liked the movie so much. I know what you mean about the Lester thing. He said, to tell you the real dirty truth. He did edit that piece, he said, but I have, still have the manuscript. And Dave, all the, all the editorial notes are in, in the margins are from, in your handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> and he just passed it but along. But it was that thing, man. The, the, the thing the thing at the end that the that the new groupies who don't really have any function except and eat all the meat have eaten all the steaks <laughs> that's it you know yeah. and that that moment was you know the plane flight the the kind of party that it was the kind of party it wasn't and people wanted it to be the way people cracked the, but and the, the way that the women who you think are just there as sex objects are in fact doing a million other things and keeping things together on it you know, he just got so much right. He really got a yeah, lot right. Yeah, there's a right. lot of heart in that I movie. Just yeah. a really, really sweet thing. You know, and, and uh, he got performances. Well, Cameron is very good at getting performances out of people, and he's a very good storyteller. So, you know, already you're really on your way to having good movies. Right. And uh, uh, not that I'm going to pretend to actually understand Vanilla Sky, but that's a whole other question. <laughs> Although, I will say this. I leave it on. If I'm watching cable and it's on, I'll... The opening yeah, well, like, shots going through New oh, York yeah. are brilliant. Man. Oh, yeah, that opening sequence is fantastic. The yeah. ending sequence isn't bad. Yeah. And the use of music is great. And it's kind of like that uh, Eyes Wide Shut, which I can always watch on TV. Oh, yeah, but right. In the movie theater, you know, it's like there ain't enough popcorn to give me a message. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Dave Marsh, so great to have you stop by. Oh, my pleasure to be here. Replaying it again tonight. Is that right, Fez? It's tonight at 11? Tonight at 11 on E Street Radio. That's Sirius uh, Channel 10. Yeah, we're 10. doing this, this interview again. And listen, guys, uh, if it's something's happening in the rock and roll world, uh, give me a call and we'll just yak about it. I would love to do that, man. It would be my pleasure and uh, privilege. All right, the great Dave Marsh, thanks so much. Thank See you, you to the great Ron and Fez. <laughs> Bring out the jails,
Toronto Fez Show, Funky Broadway. That was cool having Dave Marsh come by. That was fucking awesome. Some of the, uh, well, I'm hearing from people like Ken from Portland who was totally excited just to know that uh, Dave Marsh is our new buddy, but the... Here's a weird thing about Dave Marsh. I didn't even bring this up before. He is the guy who invented the term punk rock. It did not exist before Dave Marsh wrote it down. He was the first person to write that term down. Got him legendary. It's just mind-blowing. It is kind of crazy to think that that term comes from a single spot in I the universe. That. Sure, yeah. What? I came up with the term jazz. I guess someone did with everything. My uncle told me he was the one who came up with calling cops pigs, but I never believed him. He used to bullshit about a lot of stuff. Although the way he said it, it just rolled off the tongue like he had said it a million times. And then I remember saying to him, my first words, I remember this, is why would I talk? I can't even talk at all. Now you're telling me don't talk to anyone. Let me fucking formulate some words before you start censoring me. I know not to say shit that goes on around here. I'm a baby, but I know what meth smells like. I know there's a meth lab in the garage. Mary, she got pregnant, and that was all she wrote. All right, it's the Ron and Fez show. Exciting news, Fezzy. Uh, our PSA is done and ready to go, and I think it's going to help a lot of kids out there. Uh, this is something that Fez and I cut earlier today, so let's take a listen to it. A very important message to today's youth from Ron Bennington and Fez Watley. There's a lot of kids that are struggling with being gay in high school. Yeah. Kids that feel like they don't fit in, they don't belong, like their lives aren't worth living. That's right. If you call someone a faggot, then you're gay. That's right. You are the one who takes a dick in the ass or swallows cum. Who you calling fag? Fag? Yes. Saying fag is funny, but there are a lot more derogatory things you can call gay people instead. Oh, alright. I mean, okay. Making fun of gay youth, as funny as it may be, is not alright. This message is sponsored by the Rod and Fez Coalition for Tolerance, caring for you even if you're gay. How do you like that one, Fezzy? See, I think it kind of defeats the purpose, Ronnie. That's what we want to do. Congratulations, boys. We've defeated it! No, we don't want to defeat... And now kids are going to feel happy out there. Uh, I got an email yesterday, Fez, and I tried to explain it to you, but this email explained it in a better way. You have to think of it this. When someone is getting called gay, right? It's not gay. It's anti-woman. Right? What you are saying to a gay kid is you're acting like a woman. Now, that's. Boys are just misogynistic. That's probably the early thing that we'd have to work on. So instead of saying 
don't put down gays. What we should be teaching young boys is feminine isn't bad. But who has time for that? So, no, it won't. What's the, what is another thing that you call if it's not a gay slur? What do you call a kid? You call him uh, a pussy? Mm-hmm. A sissy? All things that you're saying, feminine. It's not anti-gay. It's anti-woman. Um, what you need to remember, uh, people are fucking retarded, and we're not going to be able to get around it. Look who it is, Jermaine Lassier. Chi baby, has a spy report... Spy report. Spy report. Spy report. Uh, huge news just broke, Ronnie. Uh, it was originally said to be Liam Neeson. He dropped out. Now Daniel Day-Lewis will star as Abraham Lincoln in a biopic by Steven Spielberg. Wow, that's a strange uh, bit of casting. He's not even American. Why, why can't an American play Lincoln? First Liam Neeson, now this, Daniel Day-Lewis? Well, Daniel Day-Lewis has got the build. He's one of our greatest actors. He's got he can do the accent. I think it's pretty freaking awesome. All right, let me see his license. Let's see if he was born in the land of Lincoln or if he was born in the place on the other side of the sea. Yeah, I think I think I think you're going to beat me there. But uh, I think that's part of me. That's one of the most exciting bits of casting I've heard in a while. The movie won't be out till Christmas 2012, but the news broke today. Is uh, Riddler in it? Um, and he, I heard he might make a cameo, which could be right, You ought to go to it, then, Fez. You ought to go to it. All right, so there you have it. This is a breaking right now from G-Baby. Daniel Day-Lewis stars as young Lincoln, lost in space. Um, <laughs> by the way, did you, uh, did you see Cowboys vs. Aliens trailer? Uh, Yeah. I did. Uh, it played huge last night in my screening of Potter. I actually tweeted to John Favreau about it. Um, cheers for this movie, which I couldn't believe. I mean, it's got all the makings, but I don't know. Put down this for me, because I want to try to jump in with you younger guys and all the stuff that you say about movies. Just say, I saw the trailer, it puckered my asshole, and made my dick spin like a pinwheel. And <laughs> put that one out there, and see if they don't pick it up. Right, well, it's got to at least go on Ronnie B quotes. You know, I don't know about that. I, you know, I was telling Dave Marsh about Ronnie B quotes because he's my new best friend. That was a great interview, by the way. Uh, what? Letting just Dave Marsh talk about his crazy life. Do, do you like Almost Famous? Uh, yeah, I do. I actually like the untitled version better, the one that's a little bit longer. Of course, because you're hipper. Well, there was more of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in that. And there's a little more characterization for the Jason Lee character. The girls get a little bit more room to breathe. It's I'm only the better. lead singer. <laughs> it's hard to believe that that thing was a bomb, but he, I really thought that he had that down. I thought that was like the greatest of what it felt like at, at 70s rock. Um, well, G-Baby, you're always breaking news here. You're doing a hell of a job. Slash film is where it's all happening now? That's where it's happening. I uh, hope you guys have a good Thanksgiving, and uh, I guess I'll be seeing you in about a week or so. Oh, yeah, you're going to stop in, right? I'm going to stop in uh, next Monday. All right, we'll see you then, G-Baby. We'll talk about all different kind of, I don't know, Potter mania and Cowboys versus Alien mania, and the whole thing's going to be just so much fun. And I forget what else is coming out. I think... I think there's this kind of thing called Sizzle Reel, where it's just little explosions and stuff, and people are going to love it. I can't wait. Uh, Dave, you're on Run a Fez. 
Yeah, I was uh, curious what the status was on the Red Dead Redemption movie. Is uh, Brad still in on that? Is there Brad's in, but it? I may be out right now. It's a thing over money, and there's talk about Daniel Day-Lewis playing my part. But if that happens, I'm going to go after young Mr. Lincoln. That'd be good, man. That'd be good. Uh, you know what would be great, I think, to play Lincoln would be the shark from Jaws. I don't know. Can we get a hat on the shark's head? I think we can. They grow sideburns? What about Jabber Jaws? He might be able to do this if no one else does. It might be a little harder to kill Lincoln if the Jaws shark is playing him. Um, right now, uh, Gaz is saying uh, John Hawk, he's Kenny Powers' brother and did a lot of great indie work. Well, he could play Shrunken Lincoln. I get that he has the face down. Uh, by the way, people say why we're playing PSAs. Why can't we do a Mafia Life Chris's? I don't know if you've seen this, Chris, uh, Fez, but Mafia Life um, Chris has done a great PSA for the gays out there. He's done a very, very exciting, exciting piece of work for the gays. And it just goes to show you, Fez, that you're having a gigantic effect on people. And you and I are going to stop bullying in the United States if we can get down to it. I like this one. Pick up, pick on someone your own size if you're such a fucking bully. That's strong. Yeah, I know. I remember hearing that from people's mothers. Why don't you pick on somebody your own size? And I always had the greatest comeback. Uh, why don't you try to hit me with it, Hicks? And I'll give you my comeback with uh, when I was a kid. Why don't you pick on somebody your own size? Because I don't want to get beat up. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, you got to give these people logic. It really shuts them up. Yeah, it does. It shuts them down. Then that's all they can say is, oh, not a lot I can do about it. Those kids make a lot of sense here. Yeah. Mm. Uh, BJ, you're on the fez. If you guys haven't checked out the trailer for uh, Danny, Danny McBride's new movie, Your Highness, it's fucking hysterical. I saw that trailer. They ought to call it Your High Ass um, yeah, because of the beautiful good. ass shot by Queen Amadea or whatever. But uh didn't actually jump out at me, but okay. Uh, Tim, you're on my face. Hey, you guys are catching on. I've got an itchy bond. Oh. Mel Gibson did another apology today, and uh, I've got it right here on tape. Hang on. This is Mel Gibson. I apologize to the uh, Jews and the blacks, but not them damn queers. Ah! That was a nice apology. Uh, sounded just like Mel Gibson, so I guess it was him. All right, this is called uh, Mafia Life Protection Campaign, The Gays. And Fez, it got done. This is animated, or hentai, as Hicks calls it. And we'll try to get this up on 202 Friends, because I'd like to explain, uh, expand the Mafia Life brand. Uh, let's take a look at this. Gross! Gross! Why don't you faggots hit the bricks before we mess you up? Leave these gays alone or I'll fire a load in your ass. Let's get out of here. Thanks, Don Mafia Life. 
Don't mention it, boys. So it's catching on. It's all coming down. All right. Did you see the end of it there after the little uh, animation sequence? Then the slogan is, even gays are accepted at MafiaLife.com. Love it. All right, it is the Ron Fez show. Even gays, like gays, shouldn't be accepted at all, but we're going so far out of our way to basically accept the lepers of the world, the gays. Look at us. Look what we're doing. We even talk to gays like they're not even humans. What are you saying? I'm saying this isn't much of a PSA on uh, non non-gay bullying. I'm trying to stop the bullying. Well, we're doing all we can, Fez. Uh, once, I'd just like you to say I like that PSA. That's all I want to do. Uh, we've got to cut some stuff for promos for next week. Let's get this started. Ron and Fez here. Fez, where's your part? Sorry, coming around the corner here. When she comes, Fez is coming around the corner when he comes. He'll be coming in your asshole, he'll be coming on your mustache, he'll be coming on your sideburns when he comes. All right, I'm ready. Ready? Yep. Ron and Fez here. And what's a better feeling this holiday season than giving that perfect, unique gift? He'll be coming on your ball sack when he comes. He'll be coming on your chest hair when he comes. All right, that. He'll be coming on your class ring. He'll be coming on that cock ring. He'll be coming on your asshole when he comes. That's not part of the script. That's you singing a folk song at my expense. Is that a folk song? I'm guessing it's a folk song. It sounds very folksy. Mm. All right, where were we? Uh, I think we should probably take it from the top. Mm. Ron and Fez here. And what's a better feeling this holiday season than giving that perfect, unique gift? He'll be coming on your work boots when okay. he comes. He'll be coming on your jockstrap when he comes. Mm -hmm. Why, why would he play another song while I'm doing my thing? I have no idea. I have no idea why anyone's singing during the promo. All right, what are we doing here? Uh, we're doing these promos. <clears throat> All right, what's... Um, where's the... Should we come around the mountain bit come in? Uh, it doesn't. Hmm. All right, let's do this. All right. Ron and Fez here. All right, that's a little slow. It uh, probably needs to run a little closer together there. Ron and Fez here. That's a little too fast. Ron and Fez here. And what's a better feeling this holiday season than giving that perfect, unique gift? It's giving a gift that you didn't have to pay for. This December on the Ron and Fez show, it's the search, search, hurry up and search, the greatest re-gift of all. All through December, we'll be playing our game, so search, search, hurry up and search every day. And you can win fantastic prizes that are perfect for regifting. We got great autographed items ready for you to win. 
from people like Brian Wilson, James Cameron, Eddie Izzard, Johnny Knoxville, David Cross, Deepak Chopra, Quincy Jones, Annie Lennox, Keith Hernandez, David Mamet, Geraldo, Ice Cube, Jason Schwartzman, The Situation, Marlo Thomas, and plenty more. That's doing December on the Ron and Fez Show. Follow at 202 Friends on Twitter and be ready to play Search, Search, Hurry Up and Search for your chance to get the perfect holiday gift. Without spending a dime. The Ron and Fez Show, making the holidays the season for regiving. He'll be coming on your whiskers when he comes. He'll be coming on your eyebrows when he comes. We were very close on that one. Till that she was coming round the mountain came in at the end. Wasn't she, is he? I do it in a different way. Hello, Mafia Life, Chris. Guys, I just I just want to you know correct Fez. What the PSA was trying to say is that there are gays being bullied, but they're protected on MafiaLife.com. Oh, it makes no sense when you say even the gays are protected. It's like they don't deserve protection at all in this world of ours, but you've decided to be magnanimous enough to uh, take care of that. No, that's not a good thing. Don't clap. Listen, because I, the truth of the matter is, is that they're not always protected. Uh, even the gays need to be protected. And that's true. Needs to step up. What about this, though? We'll be coming on your pizza when he comes. He'll be coming in Linguini when he comes. He'll be coming on your pasta. He'll be coming. It's Italian, but I don't think it helps. I love it. Thank and you. Then, you know, there's other people and other uh, types that need to be protected, too, and, 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 and we will be protecting them. Do the next one for Chinese retards. Even Chinese retards. Maybe, it may be next. Okay. Uh, Chris, after that, here's what I want you to do as a mafia guy. Go steal a new phone, because your phone is shit. <laughs> I, I, I'm driving with the baby, so I, I have to be Oh, that's so sweet, getting a first driving lesson. I don't want a cop, I don't want a cop pulling me over, so I got you on speaker. Sorry, guys. All right, talk to you soon, Chris. Peace. All right, did you like that read, Fez? Are we done? Well, I like that read up until the very end when... Uh... When he's coming around the mountain, he's going to come on your work boots, started yeah. being sang. <laughs> That's a good one. So the read was okay? The read was fine. We just have to cut off that song at the end. So we're not going to redo this. All right, good. Is that it for us? No, we have a couple more that we need to do. I think I only got one in front of me. I don't know. I got a lot of stuff here. Let me... Copy of Christmas. Da-da-da. No, that's the only one I got. Was I supposed to have more? Yeah, you were supposed to have more. We need to get producers. You know what would be perfect for us? Dave and Earl. Here we go. This is one featuring Chris Stanley. Dave Marsh gave me his card and said that we should hang out sometime. And I'm just going to call him and go like this. Me and Bruce should do something. Hey, what's Bruce up? Maybe we ought to swing over Jersey. Check out, see what the what the boss is up to. Mm-hmm. Coming on. Dan, you're on Fez. 
jail, Ronnie. Would I be protected on MafiaLife.com if I let one of my male friends jerk me off to completion? Right, guess what? The baby's in the car right now, Dan. The baby hears not, that. I don't have a baby in my car. What the no, hell are you talking about? Not you. Mafia Life Chris. Uh, put that up on 202 Friends. I wanted to say check out Mafia Life's new video about gays. Retweet, retweet if you want to help him uh, brand his stuff. I like the brand stuff. He's just using that as an excuse. It's a fake protect the gays PSA. There's a cartoon made about it. How fake can it be? And it's not a PSA. It's a pissa. So get it straight. You'll be coming to wrestle when he comes. All right, here's the next one. Ready, Chris Stanley? Yeah. Hey, hey Ron. Ron something's, something's wrong. That's that's my line. Where's mine? You're you have the next line as soon as mine is done. Oh, okay. Hey, Ron. Ron something's, something's wrong. See, I I just say that by myself. Then say it. Hey, or else Ron. I have to jump in. I know you mean. Hey, Ron. Something's, something's wrong, wrong with, with our, our producer, producer Chris, Chris Stanley. Stanley. What is it, Chris? Cigarette prices go up again. Or cigarette prizes, this says. Oh, it's supposed to be prices. Oh, fuck this then. That's a typo. Typo or trying to make Ron look like a dick. How's this for a typo? Now don't rip that up. We need it. It's something else. Now, what is it? So I'm just going to say cigarette prizes. No, go with prices. Well, I don't have it there. Just retype this then. So we just have to change one letter. We have to just... just Instead of talking, why don't we just do the bit? And by the time you're done, the bit would be over and we would be the the greatest people in history and everybody would love us. Finally. Yeah. Hey, Ron, something's wrong with our producer, Chris Stanley. What is it, Chris? Cigarette prizes go up again? Wait, what's a price? It's prices. That's a typo. Oh, by the way, first uh, black... Friday campers are camped out right now. It's on Drudge Report at the Tyrone Mall in St. Pete, where you can throw a rock and hit the Watley house. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, guess what? When you have the old mall and its name is Tyrone, Eesh. baby shoes and dollar movies, it's the Tyrone Mall. All right, let's do this. And let's do it quick. I got to get the fuck out of here. I don't want to hang around all day. All right. Hey, Ron, something's wrong with our producer, Chris Stanley. What's wrong, Chris? Cigarette prizes going up again? Prices. Well, I have done prizes. I could change it for you if you need me to. It's you going to retype this? No, I would just cross it out and write the, the correct letter in. Then I'll have to take off a letter grade because that would look dirty. Let's just do it. I'll remember that it's prices. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hey, Ron, something's wrong with our producer, Chris Stanley. What is it, Chris? Cigarette prizes? Prices. You said prices. You, re- you said you remember. I will. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, Ron, something's wrong with our producer, Chris Stanley. Prizes? Well, the holidays are here, and I could never figure out what to give people. Give For- them prizes. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they like that? We're no. going off script here. Well, we have to, because didn't the script get written wrong? One letter got written uh, wrong. Uh, what is it? The uh, It's supposed to be prices instead of prizes. Got it. Let's do this. Okay.
Hey, Ron, something's wrong with our producer, Chris Stanley. What is it, Chris? Cigarette faggots go up again? Well, the holidays That's are... really oh. wrong. Dude, you're speaking over him. What's wrong with it? Because you said the F slur instead of the word prices. Oh, I love the term F slur. And I'm with you. I'm here to stamp it out. Thank you. Give me a pound. Appreciate it. Getting further away. Pound's getting further you. away. I can't reach you. Uh-oh, bad luck. Not to pound means you're... Oh. Means somebody, something's going to happen to someone in your family if you don't pound. Well, pound me. Oh! oh God! I didn't what mean it fuck? like that. He'll be coming in your asshole when he comes. Let's do it right. We are getting nowhere with this. Are we? Or are we almost done? Hold on. I'm going for an eye test. Oh, my ghoul. Get a nice glass of water for yourself, Fez. Had to have a had to have a slurp there. Slurp it down. Oh. Let's do it right. Ready? Yep. Do this, Brutus. Hey, Ron, something's wrong with our producer, Chris Stanley. What is it, Chris? Cigarette prices go up again? Well, the holidays are here, and I can never figure out what to give people. Now forget it. Bah humbug. Don't get scrooged on us. Who's laughing in the background? That can't be on the recording. Why? Uh, maybe the... Is, this is a recording, and everybody fucking loves it. They think they're both faggots, and it won't take either of them. Listen to that laugh. We've never gotten a laugh as big as that. Let's start it from the top, but let's make this the best ever in history. All right, and it's prices. <clears throat> hey, Ron, something's wrong with our producer, Chris Stanley. What is it, Chris? Cigarette prizes go up again? Well, the holidays are here, and I can never figure out what to give people. Now forget it. Bah humbug. Don't get scrooged on us, Chris Stanley. Just listen to the Ron and Fez show through the month of December. We'll be playing our game show, Search, Search, Hurry Up and Search, and it's a chance to win great stuff this year, signed by some amazing guests we've had this year. Sure, people like James... Wait a minute, that didn't work out right. I think I have too many this year's in there. Let's go. Why can't you keep going from beginning to end? Why do you got to keep stopping us? Well, because I want to make sure that we that it's that all my typos are out and that we have this correct. Let's do this. We only have to the end of the show because I can't stay over. Dave Marsh and I are going over Bruce Springsteen's house. Wait, we're not going to see Harry Potter now? Fuck you. Oh, you're nobody. That. Let me see. Does this fucking make sense to you when I say this? Da 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 da. Da, da, da. I guess. Let's do this, Brutus. Hey, Ron, something's wrong with our producer, Chris Stanley. What's wrong with Prize Boy? Well, the holidays are here, and I can never figure out what to give people. Look, forget it. Bah humbug. Don't get scrooged on us, Chris Stanley. Just listen to the Ron and Fez show through the month of December. Price. We'll be playing our new game show, Search, Search, Hurry Up and Search. It's a chance to win great stuff signed by some amazing guests we've had this year. Sure, people like James Cameron. The Beach Boys, Brian Wilson. Quincy Jones. Jason Schwartzman. The Situation. Eddie Izzard. Deepak Chopra. Johnny Knoxville. Annie Lennox. David Mamet. David Cross. Ice Cube. And a lot more all through December. So all I have to do is play Search, Search, Hurry Up and Search and I can win? No, Pricey. You work for the Ron and Fez show. This is just for the listeners. Fuck! Fuck yeah! Don't be a Chris Stanley. Join the holiday spirit with Search, Search, Hurry Up and Search. All through December on the Ron and Price Show. 
Finally. Yeah. Uh, is that the last one? No, there's one more, but that one didn't exactly get done correctly because the word price kept coming up in the wrong p- place. Don't you think it's good enough? Not really. I can't tell whether you're goofing or you like making shitty stuff. No, I don't like making shitty promos. But I do. I like to, I like to say the promos are shit because the show is shit. And I don't know if we can edit out the word price in the places where it wasn't supposed to be. Well, it was supposed to be their price. No, sometimes the word price would just come up. In fact, you call Chris Stanley pricey at one point. Hey, that's me, pricey. Hey, pricey! Where'd you get the new hat? At Pricey's. <laughs> oh, Fuzz's bits are stupid. <laughs> I didn't write that! Well, pricey said it was a good idea. It was a priceless idea I've heard all day. Now it's all right. Now it's a person and a store. It's a franchise. You're like a smurf over there, Chris Stanley. A pricey. You know what I call him? The gangster. You are the gangster. Alright, what are we doing? All right, we should do the second one over again. I don't want to keep reading. No, let's do, move on to the third. And okay. I don't want to keep reading off people's fucking names. Shouldn't there be like an announcer voice to do that? It's gotten stupid. But it's good, Fez. Don't get me wrong. But it's stupid. I don't want to make you upset. I saw you get upset there for a second. This is really... Uh... Uh, Andrew, you're on running Fez. Hey, Ronnie, if I play search, search, hurry up and search, can I go into the price closet? Sure. If you win, it's a prize closet with a Z. Prize with a Z, like Liza. Liza with a Z. Mm-hmm. Her name's then Lisa. All these years we got it wrong. Thank you, Fez, for protecting us. You know my uh, favorite song by uh, Liza is no what. He'll be coming in my asshole when he comes. He'll be coming in my asshole when he comes. I don't think that's Eliza Minnelli recording. Well, do you know all of her stuff? Maybe I don't know everything, but I could pretty... Name one song. Uh, New York, New York. Second song. Um, Life is a Cabaret. Cabaret. Third? All right, I'm a little stumped. Now who's not gay? All right, are we ready to do this? We're ready. Is this one that Pricey's in or he's not? Pricey's not. I mean, Chris Stanley is not in this. Did you really just do that bit? Pricey's, what am I doing? Pulling his hat down over his eyes. Now you got me saying Pricey. Let's see. Meatball sandwiches or turkey chili? What are you thinking, Fez? Turkey chili. Hicks? Meatball sandwiches. Come uh, on. Meatball sandwiches it is. Speaking of which, I saw Rowan and the fucking O&A Misfits, those producers, eating $120 worth of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, fuck. They have KFC <laughs> down there? Well, I yelled at them for eating shit. Well, I'm jealous. Jealous again! That'll linger in the hallways later on. Uh, John, you're on running Fez. Hey, Ronnie, you ever see that show, The Prize is Right? I hear they win a lot of good prices. Yeah, they do. Let's get started on this, Fez. How come Chris isn't in this? 
He was just in the second one. He was in the Scrooged one. What about the modern day gangster? Uh, I'm gonna go meatball sandwiches tonight. Sorry on the turkey chili fuzz. Okay. It's not against you, it's just against what you want it. Alright. Here's the next promo. Mm-hmm. We're Ron and Fez, and this December, we're turning the Ron and Fez show into a winter wonderland. Well, uh, that should be winter. No, that one is misspelled on purpose. It's winter wonderland, because we're going to have so many winners throughout the month of December. Yeah, but the term is winter wonderland, like walking through a winter wonderland, not walking through a winter wonderland. Yeah, it's a, it's a play on words. That one's meant to be that way. Gay on words? What's that even mean? Play on words. I know. All right, let's start from the top. We're, We're Ron, Ron and Fez. Fez. But we are, both of us, Ron and Fez. Yeah. I'll go ahead and say that line. Okay. We're Ron and Fez, and this December, we're turning the Ron and Fez show into a winner wonderland. And I'm also Ron and Fez. See, that line's not in there, and it's probably unnecessary, because I've already told everyone who we are. Well, but I didn't get it. They don't know I am, too. I think it's included when I say it. Okay, fine. We're Ron and Fez, and this December, we're turning the Ron and Fez show into a winner wonderland. We're giving away great prices every day on the Ron and Fez show with our game show. Search, search, hurry up and search. Follow at 202 Friends on Twitter and get ready for the winner games. We have books, DVDs, CDs, and sports cries. Shouldn't that be prizes? Yeah, that should be prizes. All right. Let's start it. We're Ron and Fez, and this December, we're turning the Ron and Fez show into a winner wonderland. We're giving away great prizes every day on the Ron and Fez show with our game show. Search, search, hurry up and search. Follow at 202 Friends on Twitter and get ready for the winner games. We have books, DVDs, CDs, and sports prizes, all autographed by fantastic names. We got a DVD copy of Terminator 2, signed by James Cameron. That's the Academy Award-winning director. A vinyl album of Pet Sounds, signed by Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. Plus plenty more for you to win and put under the tree from people like legendary Quincy Jones. Also prizes from Eddie Izzard, David Cross, and Jason Schwartzman. The Situation, Johnny Knoxville, and Geraldo. Deepak Chopra, Marlo Thomas, David Mamet. Michael McKeon, Ice Cube, Keith Hernandez. Annie Lennox, Natalie Cole, Ryan Bingham. And so much more. It's a winter carnival on the Run and Fez show. And by winter, we mean winter. Be listening for Search, Search, Hurry Up and Search, Every day on the Ron and Fez show. It's the only way to win these great autograph prizes. We're making it a winter of winners. Huh? And then you had one line left there on the Didn't second I do page. It? Huh? No, huh wasn't the line. Alright. And there was a little extra thrown in there. Alright, give me total quiet. Hicks, pop your mic on too in case I need you. Okay. Ready? Fails will be coming in our assholes when he comes. Okay. He'll be coming in our chili when he comes. He'll be coming on our sandwich. He'll be coming in our side meat. See, I don't jizz on food. Oh, that's gross. Uh, Ducky, you're on running Fez. Hey, Fezzy, I watched the uh, Bears and Dolphins game. I didn't get to see the end. Who, who was the winter of that game? The winner of that game, as I've been saying all along, was the Bears. 
Tommy in Chicago, you're my Fez. Hey, Fez. Uh, what's the name of the character that Vincent Price played in the original Batman series? You're thinking of Egghead, but his name is Vincent Price. That was a typo. I had a Z in there when I should have had a C. So you fucked up. Yes. I wish I had a C. I think you'd rather have two Ds and an A-hole. <laughs> All through December on the Ron and Fed Show. Right, my name's Fez. There's just one line left there. Gotcha. All through December on the Ron and the Fuzz Show. Do, 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 do. Here come the Fuzz. Why don't we do that, Fuzz, that every day you go like us. Here come the Fuzz. Here come the Fuzz. Here come the Fuzz. Why don't we do this? Give away Fez's old gray pubes on the next run of fish. <laughs> Why are you disgusted? You're filthy. Why would you take a knee, Chris Stanley? There's what nothing the disgusting about fuck? that. <laughs> Why are my pubes upsetting you so much? Like a I'm a human. All over the fucking place. Uh, Looks like your balls blew up. Doing a little molting. But there's no reason for him to be so disgusted about it. Ugh. Like little fucking wires everywhere. Like little silver wires. Oh. All right, we got a break here. When we get back, uh, Fez Watley will be, I think, having us read a commercial about shrimp. No, that's not coming up. Mm. What about the fried shrimp giveaway? Bill, you're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie, I was at Walmart the other day, and when I got to the cash register, the cashier called out for a prize check, and her manager told her he didn't know what the fuck she was talking about. Prize check on line nine, prize check on line nine. How much these silver pubes cost? Any time for my break? I'm going to go out and do it a little high end on my break. I've been here since 635. My ass is sitting down. Price check on line nine. Price check. You're one crazy bastard, Fizz. You're one crazy motherfucker. That's why we love you. Two-fisted Fez Watley. Two-fists fucking calm. Ready? To <laughs> what are you eating over there? Mashed potatoes? I already uh, ate some cold uh, mashed potatoes from KFC. Now I'm eating some cold corn, and it's what? delicious. That's Who the sent... family size. Who sent that up to you? One of the O'Neill interns uh, dropped it off for us. We got some uh, scraps from the uh, KFC feast. Thank you very much. Well, that's funny, because they were fucking eating at 11.35 when I walked by there. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right, so we got those promos done the way you want, right? Not exactly. Fuck yeah. Uh, we need to break before we end the show? Let's break. We'll come back and give out some more prices. It's the Ron Fed Show. Ron and Fez. The virus on Sirius XM. I got my eye on you. I got my eye on you. No, I got my eye on you. No, I got my eye on you.
all, buddies. It's the Ron and Fez show. Looks like we're closing this down. Now, we had a short porch next week because it's Thanksgiving, and I didn't even realize that till yesterday. O and A are doing three days, but we're only doing Monday and Tuesday because Fez Wetley, you got to pl- uh, catch a plane on uh, Wednesday. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta fly out Wednesday. I don't like to fly on the holiday, on the actual day. To me, it just seems like, all right, we're getting like the people who don't have enough seniority to get the holiday off, so that I'm getting a, you know, a less experienced crew on the plane. Oh, I didn't even understand. I thought you were talking about yourself as a flyer. So you're thinking any pilot that flies on Thanksgiving is probably just a rookie. Like, oh, I'll do, I'll do weekends, holidays, doesn't matter, just as long as you let me fly this thing, sir. Yeah, just, uh, you know, I needed more hours on the simulator anyway, so just let me do this Thanksgiving flight. The exciting thing about uh, Thanksgiving is every year... Chester High School dominates Sun Valley in the annual Thanksgiving Day game. Beat the fucking rich kids. That's what it's all about. Come on, you split-level home motherfuckers. You want to play games? Let's do this. Because you'll be flying right over a chai on your way down. That's why, as a matter of fact, if there's any plane stuff that starts to go wrong in a plane, uh-huh. start screaming, land in the Delaware River, and I'll come and get you. Hicks, where are you going for Thanksgiving? You got somewhere to be this year? I got this apartment in Astoria and a bottle of whiskey. You don't have anybody to go with this year? No, I, I'll self-exile myself to Astoria. He got invited to Florida. Turn me down flat out. Why would he want to go there? Your mom can't even make egg salad. I don't like relishing an egg salad. Oh. And gray pubes, maybe. <laughs> Those are silver pubes. Okay. Chrome. I didn't notice how many people in this place look like Pete Dominic. It's the Pete Dominic look. Oh yeah. Uh, we got oh tonight's the big show. Um. The Kumia family Christmas, where uh, Brother Joe, Anthony, and Donnie all get together. It's the most talented family in the Sirius XM nation. Let's face facts there. They're phenomenal. And they're going to be out uh, singing, dancing, and playing their list of characters. There's a couple sketches lined up this year. It's going to be all a lot of fun, and that's a bar nine. Bar 9 on 9th Avenue, I think around 44th Street in Manhattan. How come you didn't plug the Marlowe on Mass? What happens there? You don't plug like you used to. You used to be like, I wouldn't have to think about a thing. And who would be plugging? Me. Plug it along, Fez Watley. I'd get Russ in the plug, but who can understand him? Hi, everybody. going to be a big old show tonight. Make sure you put your boots on and a big old hat. It's me, Rustin. Well, he's always want people to wear hats. I don't know. I guess to keep the fucking weather, that Texas weather can change in an instant. Uh, Mike, you're on Ronnie Fez. Hey there, Ronnie B. Hey there, Great Pubes. Silver. Uh, I wanted to ask uh, Great Pubes over there if he's going to Premature. be in the turkey trot. No, I am not going to the turkey trot this year. Oh, well. Why ain't you going, Fez? There's too many people interested in me going. 
There's too many people wondering about it. I'm just going to stay home this year. I had a lousy time last year. Well, it, actually, it was fun last year until the aftermath of meeting up with Chuck Wagon there. So I'm just not going to do it again. That definitely wasn't last year. Or two years ago. Did you go last year? Um, I, yes, I did. So then you were fine last year. Yeah, but there's just too much going on now. I don't want to do it. And I'm, I'm staying home. I got my buddies, Don Stugatz, will be there with you the whole time. I appreciate that, Don Stugatz. I'm sure a good guy. But it's just, I feel like I'm just being set up with people wanting to know if I'm going there. But he's going to watch you. Yeah, but I don't want him to have to, I don't want anything to happen that he has to watch and then step in for. He carries a fucking piece wherever he goes. He's Italian. So I am just, I'm just going to stay home this year. All right. Well, thanks for break. Um, I'm glad that we're adding this on a fucking happy note. But I feel like we're adding an extra note here to it. So why aren't you going, Fuzz? Because I don't want to. I don't want to go there and end up getting set up where I'm in the middle of a 3.1 mile turkey trot and then can't get out of there. I'm in a crowd of people. I've had nasty letters sent to my home address. It's just not the year where I feel comfortable doing it. JJ in Palm Springs. Hey, buddies. Hey, Fez, uh, I'm glad you'll be at home having a miserable time instead of out in public. Are you guys <laughs> going to do the Robot Pilgrim this year? Ah, the Robot Pilgrim. Uh, Kenny Allen. Every year we play the time Kenny Allen was on our show. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll do that this year. Yay! Yay! Thanks, on Thanksgiving, we always like to do that. And, of course, play the perfect Thanksgiving song. They think, they think they're both faggots and it won't take either of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite perfect. Our <laughs> low. But really, you know, when you think about it, it's probably not right. Tell Dave Marsh, I think we, he and I ought to head over Freehold. Today after the show? Yeah, I'd love to do that. <sighs> really? Actually, you know what? I'm telling you the truth. Meeting Dave Marsh and having him on the show today and the fact that we work together is the coolest fucking thing to me, man. I read all of his stuff. It's ridiculous. I love I love that music. I love that whole tradition of our music in this country. Fezzan, you never got into music, huh? Never did. Just never captured me. Any of the stuff I was talking about with Dave, did you even understand what you were saying? Yeah, a little bit of it. I felt bad that his daughter didn't have that uh, John Lennon book still. Um, here's uh, Bob. You're a Fez. I couldn't understand a word you were saying. Your phone was breaking up. Oh, I'm sorry, Fez. We don't want any fags at the turkey trot. Be a better race without you. Fez, you got to show this guy. Go down there and show them. No, if that's the kind of hate that's waiting there, then it's not the turkey trot I remember. Uh, listen to this song. Things 
like that drive me out of my mind. All right, let's thank everybody. Uh, again, Dave Marsh, how cool it is to sit and talk. Rock and roll music with Dave Marsh. His, Br His Bruce Springsteen special will be re-airing tonight on E Street Radio on Sirius XM at 11 p.m. in the East. Uh, also, Ronnie Spector. It's not Christmas without Ronnie Spector. Uh, the EP is out, and also you can get tickets to her show. Go to RonnieSpector.com. And uh, once again, for Annie Lennox for doing the Ronnie Spector run-in and just being crazy. That was just so much fun. Also, I just want to thank somebody, Chris Stanley, the man we call Pricey. That's me. Uh, Pricey. Yes? I really do want you to get together with somebody on Thanksgiving. I'd like to have you uh, at my house, but my parents have a long-standing thing of no orphans. Oh, come on. It's Pricey we're talking about here. Tell me. I know. My parents say they think every orphan had something to do with their parents dying. Seriously? They don't need it. You can trust me. I told him everybody loves Pricey. Thanks to Mafia Life, Chris, and what you're doing to help Fez and I stamp out gays. I don't think that's the idea behind call, it. Calling people gays. Well, using the F slur. And not, using gay in a derogatory term. You know what I like, Fez? What's that? A nice slow rebuttal. It's a rebuttal. So we don't have to worry about it. Uh, but we take our time with it. Um, anything else we need to plug here? Marla Thomas Unmasked is debuting this Saturday night on Raw Dog Series XM Comedy at 8 p.m. in the East. That's it. Let's not plug it all and then once every uh, 60, twice every 60 seconds. I like this song. Who's this? Lou Reed? <laughs> yep. I might be a little tired. Got a little crazy here today. All right, we'll see you guys back in here for the short porch next week. Two days, Monday and Tuesday. Homestar, would you do me a favor and end the show today? Uh, that's the end of my show. Dog.